Hey, everybody. This time around, we've got a guest. Uh, Dave Lang was kind enough to join us. Of course, it's the uh, first time I've used this uh, uh, streaming program in a live environment. And naturally, uh, there's a little bit of an audio glitch in the first couple of minutes. So when it comes on and you hear Lang doubled up, um, it gets fixed super fast. Sorry. I figured out what the problem is and and, and solved it. Uh, so, yeah. Clunky couple of minutes there at the top. But it evens out. Thanks to Dave for joining us. And now, here's the show. What's going on, everybody? Hi, welcome to the show. It's uh, I gotta I gotta take this away here, and then boom, there we are. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop playing the music <laughs> because I could not hear our guest. Dave Lang is here. Hello, Hello Jeff. Jeff. Hello. Uh, it's, uh, it's going to also show. Hello, yes. Hello. Yes. That's right. The the production staff is all here. Uh, everybody's pretty excited about uh, you know today's show broadcasting to a different platforms and through different tools and maybe everything will break and 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 everything all at once. Um. I yeah. Mean, what, 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 what is this saying? Like F will do it live. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a meme or something. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's what they say. What the kids are saying online these days. It's a extremely topical reference. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's picking up. They're like, yeah, man, awesome. That's very hip. Dave Lang, the 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 found the founder of Iron Galaxy Studios. If you're not familiar, makers of such games. Uh, well, I guess most recently, Rumbleverse, um, Extinction, Dive Kick, Killer, uh, Killer Instinct, Instinct. yeah, uh, Marvel versus Capcom Origins. We have a we game, have a game uh, we, uh, we helped out, out on coming out, coming out today, today, actually. actually. Really? Which uh, is it? We did a little bit helping, helping Naughty, Naughty Dog, Dog get, get Last, Last of Us, of us PC out today. out today. Oh, nice. Yeah, That's awesome. Exciting. So that's like a big part of of what the studio does as well. I mean, probably like an even big, like the probably the biggest part of what the studio does is is come in and assist developers at, at either yeah, finishing yeah. games or bringing them other places or that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, there's so like, there's a, like a, a ten minute, ten minute explanation, explanation, a five, five minute, minute, a two, a two minute. minute. I'll give you, I'll the, give one you the one minute. minute. Okay. So most, so of, most what of what we do is, is help, help other people make their games. games. Like, yeah, like Cold Cold Velvet, right? right? Um, mm-hmm. Whether you want, you want, you got an Xbox, you want, you want a PlayStation, you want to optimize, optimize whatever, whatever it is, right? right? That's what, That's we, what we do. do. And so, so it's a really it's a good, good business because, because people always, people always need help. help. And, and it's, it's not, not um, but it's not, it's not the romantic, romantic vision people always imagine, imagine video game development is, right? Right. And so that's a bit of, I think we're pretty unique. In terms, in terms of, of like the, of the landscape, landscape. So we, we still do our own stuff, stuff too, like Rumble, like Rumble Verse, like you mentioned. Um, um, but yeah, but yeah, we, we do a lot, do of, a lot of helping other people make their games. Cool, awesome. I'm I'm hearing from the chat. This is again, this is sorry, this is the first time we were like kicking the tires on 
this stuff, people are saying that there's that you're echoing, and I don't know why because I'm not hearing you echo. Uh, uh, well, well, no, that's, no, just, that's my just my natural, natural speaking speaking pattern. pattern. Okay, all right. Like I, like I, I, have, I have double vocal cords, cords and one, and one is delayed. Is delayed. So, I just uh, I just figured out why it's happening. Hang on, okay. I can fix this. I can fix this. I, I Victor fix. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna disappear. So you run the show for a couple minutes. Got it. Got it. And uh, everything will be fine. All right, what's cracking, everyone? Uh, it's your boy Dave Lang here. Um, look at this exotic locale I'm in. Whoever saw this coming, no one. Um, I wasn't ready to like run a show right now, so. I can't see what Chad is saying, um, but hey, remember that time Vinyaki tweeted out my phone number? What a banger, huh? Um, that's kind of all I got. It's Tuesday, by the way. Oh, just back. Thank God. Hello. Now Hello. this should be fixed. Okay. So I, before I, I was... So I, don't, I, I was hearing myself too, and I thought that was like normal. So yeah, it's, okay. I'm not hearing myself anymore. So let's... So probably... what What I was doing, I mean, if you want the... the I'll give you the, the one minute yeah. explanation. Um I was feeding all of my system audio back into this software thinking like, well, if I want to play sound effects or something, I need that. I can't just have the microphone, but then realizing that, oh, that's going to pull you through as well and feed you back out. So classic boner, just a classic boner. Exactly. Exactly. A full on. Um, and so here we, (laughs) here we are. Okay. All right. Starting again. Three, two, we'll, we'll do it live. I think that's what, what yeah, everyone all the kids are saying yeah yeah um so gosh i feel like i've i saw you at the game awards i was like two years ago three years ago proper hangout in a very long time yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's, been, it's been way too long the, um, the world's been like that i guess uh you know there's some I, I think one thing that doesn't help is me and you are both very like it takes a lot to get us <laughs> anywhere and yeah. to commit to something we're both very much like that yeah. And so uh, unless the stars align, it's just not going to happen, period. But um, but yeah. So Yeah. I've been I've been hiding in the house. I don't wear shoes a lot of the time. Um, you know. That was the weirdest thing when I started to like this is not like a, a original thought by any stretch, but like I when I started wearing socks again regularly, like mm-hmm. my feet itched all the time. Yeah. And it was super weird. I'm like, can I not wear socks anymore? Is this a side effect of COVID? <laughs> like, like, why are my feet so? Ill? Oh yeah, I just haven't had socks on for like three years. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm yeah. still. I'm still kind of living. I'm still kind of living that life. But that's. I don't know. Like working. Working on my own or whatever. But. So I mean, prior to all that stuff, obviously. Well, I mean, you still do offices in Chicago and and Orlando. Like, what is that process? been like are you like one of these guys who's like you got to get back in the office three days a week or you know like what's the yeah yeah so we, we actually opened up a studio in nashville last year as well oh right um, yeah and so we got that going um and uh yeah we it was an interesting process for us because at the beginning when we were thinking about it it was a lot of like we were making decisions kind of based out of fear like mm-hmm. uh if we make people go back like We'll lose a lot of really good people. That sucks. Like da da da. But then we, after a while, it's just like, kind of was just talking about like thinking about it as a design problem instead of like the thinking about the consequences first. Mm-hmm. And, like the company basically turned into this, right? It turned into faces, boxes on a screen, right? right? Yep. And I, I'm generically of the opinion that there's no difference between one company and another if this is the company. 
right? Yes. Like if, if this is some might say you don't even need to work for a company anymore if this is what it's going to be. Yeah, like like this this is just this is what it is, and I didn't want to work at a company like that. I wanted mm-hmm. to be in a place, and so we are doing hybrid. We're doing I think two days in the week um, required, and we just started putting people back in. A, I don't know, about um, two months ago, I think we started putting people okay. back in. And yeah. uh, it's been good. People have mostly been doing Tuesday, Thursday. And it's great. Tuesday, Thursday, a lot of rooms full. People are chilling and, you know, seemingly good, happy to see each other. And, uh, you know, it's still early days for hybrid for us. And so who knows what it'll look like a year from now, you know? Right. Um, maybe people will get sick of it and whatever. Maybe people will lean into it even more. Who knows? But, yeah, we were definitely um, – I just didn't want to work in a place where I never saw anybody, man. It's just it's super, super lame to me. And uh, here we are. So yeah, we're back. Yeah. No. No. That 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 makes sense for sure. Yeah. I the think. The one thing um, that's weird about it is it's like people online treat like going back to the studio like a human rights issue. It's very strange to me. Like, <laughs> like, 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 it's like listen, some people like if you don't want to go back to the office, that's cool, man. Like, God bless you, God. Like, there's a lot of jobs out there where you don't have to anymore. But yeah. like, some of us want to be back in, and this is a place for them. It's just that's it's that simple. Like, I'm not making anyone come in. Like, like you can just go get the go find another job if you want one. It's just super weird to me. It's like, um, how people treat it. I I never quite wrap my head around that. Yeah, I think it was weird, you know, because like part of me moving down here, there were you know at the time I was employed for a company, and there was a discussion about like, okay, opening a new office down around here. Like, oh, you know, let's do a thing in Burbank. Do this. And so I kind of moved down here with the idea in the back of my head of like, oh, if this if this materializes and works out, then, yeah, there's a, you know, there's a return to an office. There's all this other stuff. And then the, the bottom dropped out of that. And so I was like, oh, OK, now it's it's truly this, this. And and yeah. that's been, I think, where some of the other stuff came up of just like, I, I, like kind of what you're saying is just like, but from a different angle of if it's the same no matter what, then at some point, why do it for another company when you can just kind of do it for yourself? But um, yeah, yeah. Or, or just even like. Um, like I think there's some people that even if it's uh even if it's for yourself, they still like there's some people that can make a bond over like great distances and online, you know, mm-hmm. like um, and so I, I still think there's a virtue in like teaming up with people to do something like that if that's what you need. But again, for me, it was just like that's just not a place I want to work at, man. Since it's not for me, and uh, when I start talking to more people about it, they're like, a lot of people felt the same way. And so I, we just kind of like leaned into that a little bit and, yeah. uh, you know, but it's all like everything else during this time. It's like, who knows, right? Check back in three months. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like one yeah. thing changes and you're like, okay, we're shutting yeah. back down again and doing right. this and it's, you know, it's, it's all like, fluid. I, I feel like, uh, we've entered for the last three years, like nothing has been permanent. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So we'll see. But yeah. And not to just like, <laughs> not just sit here, just like relitigate the last three years or, or, or whatever, but like. I remember just because I haven't I haven't talked to you about this, but like one of the things I remember early on about everyone working from home was and in terms of like developing games and like all some of the roadblocks that people hit along yeah. those lines, it was a lot of like um, proprietary, you know, dev kits and, yeah, yeah. you know, Nintendo doesn't like you to take its dev kits outside of the office. You told them that the dev kits would be in and yep. and some of this other stuff like that. I just, you know, like as that. I mean, if you could, I wonder if you'd walk me through some of that, like, like in the early days, like, was it crazy or was everyone like, Hey, this is, everything is crazy. So of course you can take this dev kit and go here and do this or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, most everyone understood the situation 
and was pretty like eventually everyone figured it out right Right. some people got there faster than others right like um i i would say typically like um the more like security infosec focused the company is the the more resistant they were to that sort of thing yeah but eventually everyone's like we got to ship these games like uh, whatever it takes let's figure it out and so like but it was a huge relief like for us you know like we we really depend on like i said we do most of our stuff is helping other people ship their games right that's most of yeah. what we do like and so we're more at the whims of our partners policies than i think mm. most companies are right right and right making sure that like oh yeah we're working with six different people right now and i hope all six allow us to keep working with them you know that was a little stressful um yeah but eventually everyone kind of got aligned on the same page there was one project where we had to leave the stuff into in the studio, but then we'd remote into that PC and oh, do the right. work. And so that that wasn't optimal. But the partner realized it wasn't optimal and they just they were like, oh, we're okay with it being slower, but this is what we need to do, you know? And right. so um, you know, that's not the most fun environment for everyone to make a game in, but you know, it, it's it allowed us to keep working and it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um I saw you talking about AI on Twitter a little bit. This has obviously been making yeah. the rounds and just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you know, some of this stuff came out of GDC where we'll, we'll, you know, in, in the news, like Ubisoft is like, we're going to use an AI tool to write barks and, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. I just, um, you know, it's not to just like keep throwing controversial topic after topic uh, at you, but like this one's been weirdly hot. I just, you know, you've been doing this since the nineties you did not use any AI, AI tools to code Space Jam for the Saturn. Did not, you know. Um, yeah. But, like, what do you think about the stuff that's out there? Is it something you're even looking at as, like, hey, this might help us? Or is it all so weird yeah. now that... Uh, no, I, I think I'm excited about AI. Like, let's, let's, just, let's just set some, some framework for this discussion. Sure. Like, I'm assuming we can solve, and we will have to solve because of legal reasons, like, the ethics of training in AI. Right. right. Like that's not going to get solved this summer. Right. It's yeah. not going to be get solved next summer, but eventually that shit's going to get solved. It just has to. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and let's assume for a moment that like that, that's the backdrop by which I'm speaking. So like, obviously I don't want people like rummaging through your online portfolio and copying your whatever. That's obviously Garbo. It doesn't right. make any sense. Right. Yeah. Um, but what I am excited about is like, I think most people working on AI for game stuff right now, it's kind of like the web three stuff where they weren't game developers and they're right. not game developers and they're making a bunch of stuff. Game developers don't, in my view anyway, want or need, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't think most game developers want like, Hey, push a button and you'll get like a dog with a crown model. <laughs> you know, right. I just, I just don't, I, but what we do want, and I'm, I'm what I want as a game developer, I don't want to speak for all game developers, but what I want, there's so much boring shit that we have to do all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like absolute mind-numbingly boring things that you do on every single game. And it's always boring. And it's not anything that makes the game special or unique. Um, if we could automate some of that stuff, I would be over the moon, right? Like give us tools to speed up some really like, Skinning a model, doing a first pass skinning sure. of the model or whatever, right? And um, 
boy, we could work on what makes our game unique and fun and special. Mm-hmm. Like it would really speed up our jobs, make the games better. And so like, you know, I'm not looking at this as like a threat to my job or a threat to our job. Cause like, it's, it's just not, that's, uh, yeah, I just don't, yeah, that, that's not, it, it doesn't seem like that yeah. stuff's necessarily even going to be good enough anytime soon to just like, Oh, you're going to push this button, drop it right in the game. No one's going to look at it. No one's going to be like, yep, we generated yeah. all this. Boom. Push it in. Like that cool. seems crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, at the end, like, there's, will people try to do that? Absolutely. Like, will yeah. Steam get flooded with that stuff? Absolutely. But mm-hmm. like, am I worried about that? No, I'm not worried about that. Like, well, like Steam bad. is flooded with. It's all bullshit. Pachinko, Match Three. Well, I downloaded. Anime. A, I downloaded a game the other day. Like, so, so there are some cases where people are putting games on Steam and charging like two hundred dollars for them. And um, as a member of the press, I don't have to pay that price, which is nice. Um. But there's just situations where, like, um, oh, we, we took this Unity tutorial and we published it to Steam. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. It's it, All the storefronts are so crazy right now. Discovery has been broken for five years on all these storefronts. Like, it's it's been broken and is completely broken. Because, um, you know, the stores aren't necessarily incentivized to fix it, right? Right. Um, and so, well, that's not fair, actually. It's a hard problem. So... Yeah, yeah it, like the, it, the store, it, it, it feels like the storefronts were built with like two generations ago, like pacing of game releases in mind, yeah. and now they're getting way, 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 way more. Yeah, it's a hard problem. I was being overly reductive there, so apologies to everyone that runs a store, but like, um, the it, it's it's just like that's the status quo, you know. You if you want to have a game be successful, like you need to figure that shit out on your own. Cause yeah. like the, it's not, I, I'm motioning to a man outside my window here. Who's you, you can go ahead and head on in. Okay. Let everybody in Jeff. Yeah. Everybody we're, yeah. we're, we're yeah. coming in here. I, yeah. Is that I, dirty um, Mike and the boys or who is that? Is that? Yeah. Dirty Mike and the boys are showing up uh, to work <laughs> on the furnace and, uh, and then actually, actually no dirty Mike is showing up in a couple hours to work on the roof. Okay. Um, perfect. Good. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh it's a good day for getting things done on, the house before it rains and all these broken tiles on my roof lead to a much larger problem turns out ventura county it's windy out here no one did you get did you guys get hammered like norcal did last week or was it yeah kind of i mean but not like not that bad um and not that long but there's like we got flood watch type stuff but it's it's mostly for like things that are 30 or 40 miles away from us where the actual problems were kind of closer to the snow a little bit um, and so here it was just like, you know, the, the sides of my house became like a moat kind yeah. of, and you know, then, then that all dried up and went away, but it dried up right against the side of the house, which is probably not great, but, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a slab foundation. It's not wood like it was up in NorCal. So I'm a little less worried about it, but I don't know. It's a slab's a good word. Yeah, it is. It's nice. It just feels good to hear. I, I like it. I like hearing it, and I like saying it. I just realized that. Slab. Slab. When it came yeah. time to... Uh, when the Xbox uh, Series X came out, when they when they sent one to me, like part of that process is like, what do you want to name it? And I just instinctively wrote in the word slab. Really? Yeah. So I'm not alone here. Xbox. No, you're not alone. Slab okay. is a is a hell of a word. I just, and I looked at that thing, and I said, what is this thing? It was like, I wouldn't be like, obelisk? No. Yeah. It's just a big hulking slab of a console just a it's big always, meat it's always box. like there's a reason we're friends <laughs> yeah like that almost yeah. like we we get yeah. along in a, in a few different ways our refusal to listen to post malone 
Um, killed a good podcast too. Killed, I know. Killed, killed a good concept for a podcast. <laughs> killed a good Let's concept for a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Where I think I realized that many uh, as five ish episodes in, I was like, I just I don't know that I have the. I don't have the lingo. I, there's something about describing music. It's like I can describe games all day long. Some might say I've been, you know, doing it for decades, but there's something about like actually describing music to another person that I feel like it, totally inadequate. And I'm just like, uh, it's, it, the beat knocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one uh, goes hard, son. Like I, yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for me, like the biggest one for me was, I think we eventually would have figured that out, that stuff eventually. Yeah. Like, yeah. but like for me, it's just the time, man. It's like my life's getting more complicated, not less complicated. And like yeah. throwing in another like four hours a week for something I'm doing for free is like, uh, no, no, no me gusta. Yeah. yeah. But I think what, you know, there's probably a middle ground there where we maybe get together and, and talk occasionally, uh, like this, the text I got from you out of nowhere, that was just like, Hey, this uh, this Macklemore single. It sucks, but it's so good. I, it's so, so good. Mad. I'm so mad. It's so good. It's so good. I made my whole life without liking any Macklemore, and then he drops that, and I'm like, oh my god, I like Macklemore now. Do you it's feel a... angry at at Premiere for <laughs> contributing? I, no, I, to... I I was, but then who did I talk? I was talking to someone about it, and I got over it. I forgave Primo at the end of the day. Nice, so Primo. If you're watching, yeah, the he is. He's, he's on the he's yeah. on the Discord. Um. Yeah, and yeah, Primo's just getting his check. He's getting, you know, that's all. Like, you can't hurt, you can't blame Primo for getting paid, right? And I think the, so. the thing, my my, the problem that I got hung up with on that track, um, which is I still, it's the most recent single. I can't even remember the name of it for people out there who Heroes. don't know what we're talking Heroes. about. Heroes, yeah. Um, is I was just like, I I kind of like what he has to say. Also, there's a certain yeah. aspect of it lyrically that I'm like. Man, you know, this dude's capable. Yeah. This guy listened to a lot of hip hop. As someone who <laughs> rapped and was and pro- maybe should not have been myself, I'll say that guy listened to quite a lot of hip hop. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a good it's 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 well constructed. The rhymes are clever. I, I it, it seems like I'm not aware of anyone that has expressed some of those thoughts before, right? That I sure. listen to anyway. And so like it just yeah, it was just all like fresh and original, but he's old. And I'm like, how did he do this? Yeah, like, I just it's, maybe it's because I'm old. That's probably the answer. I'm guessing like maybe a lot of nice seventeen year seventeen year old kids out there nodding their head to that jam. But like, um, I wonder. I I just feel like that nothing about that is going to be appealing to a seventeen year old. Yeah, I feel like I listen fair. to that like yeah. that's. I feel like that yeah. that track is written at yeah. us if in a way. If you're not familiar with DJ Quick's album cover, then yes. <laughs> You right. probably don't like that song. That's yeah. probably the, there's probably a strong Venn diagram there. Right. Um, no, I don't know. People seem way more excited about the Danny Brown JPEG Mafia uh, collaboration yeah. album. Have you have you listened to that yet? I've not. The, the I was for a, a long time during the start of COVID. I made a. I realized like some of the changes in my life where I'm not just not listening to music anymore because I'm not in the car ever, and that's right. mostly yep. why I listen to music. And mm-hmm. so I really made a concerted effort to listen to music at home, and I just gave up. I, I, I there's a lot of artists I love like like. Aesop Rock, one of my favorites. Right? Yeah. He's just a weird guy who raps about weird shit, and I love yep. it. He's dropped two things I haven't listened to during like the last three years. I just haven't listened. I'm like, I don't care. Maybe I'll get around thing. to it, or yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Just like, and that, if you would have told me like five years ago that would be the case, I'd be like, there's no effing way. 
Like right. that, that, you are describing someone that does not exist. It is not me. And, and here we are. But I love Danny Brown. I, yeah. That sounds great. Like I didn't listen to the new Vince Staples. I love Vince Staples. Right. And I, I think I, I listened to it. to it like once and went like, huh. And then, and then kind of moved on. Like, I think that's, that's yeah. sort of, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm honor yeah. bound to listen to the new, the NAS. I haven't listened to NAS's latest one. There's like there's Same so here. much stuff. It's just like, I, if you say you like hip hop and you haven't listened to NAS, what are you doing? But here I am. So yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. It's been weird. I should, I think, stop me if you've heard this before, but it's been weird. It, dude, it, it has been weird. I got into a lot of like, old acid house from the nineties and like, just like, like old dance music that I just never listened to then because yeah. it was the same year that like Snoop got big. And so what, you know, I'm not going to go out here and listen to a bunch of weird yeah. computer music. God damn it. But now, you know, I, I like a lot of computer music. So what yeah. am I doing? The most recent thing I've gotten into is there's um a never ending feed on YouTube Mm-hmm. of rain and storm sounds okay never ending and the newest <laughs> the newest ones have gone from like this is eight hours you're gonna sleep like a baby to like i'll 24 7 live stream is the new right shit. yeah i just put i i've been like slowly trying to find the best one and there's <laughs> like, like a bit there's literally a million of stack them. ranking the the <laughs> Rain I, have a, and, I, I, have, I have a short list of some absolute bangers, uh, nice. and uh, that's that's what I've been listening to lately, Jeff. So yeah, my mental health's great. I'm, great, I'm doing, awesome. I'm doing great everyone's yeah. everyone's super fucking healthy. Everything's going yeah. fine. Uh, yeah, uh, the, I so I I have listened to this the the Danny Brown uh, scaring the hose. It is called, of course, of course. Yeah. Um, and it's fucking crazy it is it's parts of it are like almost like they produced it poorly on purpose it sounds like they were being chased while they recorded it like it's this very dense thickly produced thing but then also it's muffled danny is mixed too low and this is like there's just shit about it that i'm like this is like broken but i love the way it's broken i there's a like that is one thing that's cool about it like i do think like um You know, insofar as I've been paying attention, which is very lightly yeah. at that. Sure. But like, there are, it seems to me like in hip hop, like there are a lot of really, I don't want to say mainstream, but like, you know, headliner type artists. Like, I would consider like Danny Brown like a headliner, Vince Staples yeah. like a headliner, like, um, that have been trying just some weird stuff in a way that people that kind of establish usually don't. And like, like ex- that West Side Gun, right? Yeah. There's like, like, do anything Griselle like it's all just fucking weird and strange and they don't need a they don't need to do that to get ears anymore. It just still right. they want to do it. And I will always, always listen to that stuff and give it a spin and maybe I never listen to it again. But I'm just so glad it exists because it kinda reminds me of like you know, not to get too like whimsical here, but like mm-hmm. you know, it's like hip hop was always supposed to be like an experiment. Right, it's a sure. thing where it's yeah. like, hey, we're gonna, it's a brand new thing. We're making it, and then it turned into this hyper commercial thing, mm-hmm. and then to see some of the most commercially successful people kind of starting to experiment so much more just gets me pumped up about the form. And so, um, not pumped up enough to listen to their music, mind you, sure, but conceptually it gets me pumped up. So I'm excited. Like I, when I do start, like I'm assuming this is a phase, and when I get out of this phase, I am like I literally have probably 30 records i just need to dig into and that's gonna be awesome yeah 
But at some point, you're just going to be like, well, I'm okay, that's all fine and good. I'll get to those, but put this gang star in here and just listen to this instead. Yeah. Um, the the and, classic playlist. The, um, you know, one thing I did, oh, God, uh, Fudge. What was the name of the producer? Um, good storyline. It'll, it'll pop in my yeah. head like, when we're talking okay. on our topic, and I'll just shout it out. Okay, but good. A, I, I was listening to something, and I'm like, you, Jeff has to listen to this, and then I forgot to text you about it. Okay. So I right. will uh you you talk for a minute, I'll find out on my phone. Okay. All right. Um let's see. We've got a handful of news stories here. I've got some questions from uh the the Gerstman advisory panel over at uh, patreon.com slash Jeff Gerstman. They're just good eggs. They're just good eggs. Any yeah. way you slice it. Just solid folks. Uh you can yeah. sign up. In fact, annual memberships are now available to the Patreon. Uh, at a slight discount. So if you've been uh, looking for oh. a slight discount, you can get that slight discount. To, uh, tobacco. Are you familiar with tobacco? Yes, I am. Okay. You love yes. tobacco, right? I'm right yes. there, like, yeah, I, I, yeah. That, I heard some of that stuff. I'm like, oh, Jeff's got to listen to this. Yeah, then, yeah it's yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. wild. Yeah. Absolutely. It all yeah. kind of sounds the same, but I'm okay with it for now. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's like definitely like there's a, a like I'm going to put this on and have it on and be and be, it, because of that it, it's okay that it all sounds the same yeah. that it ends up kind of being this droney thing almost. Yeah, yeah. Um let's see. Uh it, we are we're 22 years removed in a couple of days here from the final airing of WCW Nitro. You know, wow, uh when when years, huh? yeah, when WWE purchased WCW and subsumed them and and uh, well, then the, the EA's games uh, went away. So I figure it's it's perfect time to reflect on the majesty and the pageantry of WCW Backstage Assault. I guess it's going to breeze right past Mayhem, huh? Yeah, because Backstage Assault was the one that you know they're <laughs> like, okay, we you know you, you guys yeah. cut your teeth on on Mayhem, and Backstage Assault is where it meant something. No, I but I mean they're they're similar games, obviously, but like you know, wrestling games these days are such gigantic crazy productions and uh, they they seemed large then at the time or at least in terms of the the user interest in them and 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 all of that when you were working on uh, both mayhem and and backstage assault right you 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 touched both yeah i was the n64 lead on both of them okay yeah like did it did it feel like a big deal that you were like I mean, this is this awesome licensed thing and yeah like may, may have more than backstage assault like mm-hmm. um because, like, the, so the backdrop is this. Like, a, a lot of us either left or were expelled from Acclaim Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. And that's where they were working on the then WWF games. Right. Um, Attitude and, those, and Warzone. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and those games were super awesome. You know, they, they did a great job with those. I agree. Everyone, t- everyone fucking hates those games now. But I, I agree with you. They were good. They looked amazing. They they played they played well. Like I, yeah. I they they those were they set a high bar. But um, you know when the founder of Kodiak was the place where we went to go work at and yeah, you know when he made the deal with EA, EA did the deal with WCW. You know that was still when WCW was kind of going up the hill, up the right. hill, and then like some point in development, it fell off, started to fall off a cliff, right? And, yeah. Um. And so we made we made Mayhem, and we made it a brand new wrestling game from scratch in like eighteen months. That was supposed to compete with all these, you know, the, all the Japanese stuff and everything else that was being made. And it's just like, yeah, it did okay. 
Um, like I still remember one of my best memories from there is that E3 where EA had the big wrestling ring with the demo stations in the ring. Yeah. And Sting was there. And like, I, I, that was one of the, that was the first time I felt like, holy shit, what I'm doing is kind of actually important, you know? Yeah. Um, in, in, in my brief time in the industry at that point. Um, and then Mayhem came out and it, you know, it did fine, but it didn't do what EA needed it to do to pay for the license right. and the production and the marketing. And, um, and so we get into the backstage assault and it's like, you know, I think we all like us and EA, um, I'm going to talk about us as one big group here. So like, I don't yeah. think I'm collectively slinging mud at either people I worked with or EA or whatever. It's just, we were all one big group and all of us kind of were like, we're just not going to catch these other developers. Like we're always going to be X years behind them. Like, so yeah. what can we do to make a competitive game with maybe like a not competitive license? Right. Right. And so that, that's how the like idea by the back. day or by the week, WCW seems like it was just like, just fell yeah. off a cliff. Yeah. And, yeah. um, the, so then we get, I forgot who it was exactly, but we had this throwaway thing in mayhem where, you know, one of the decisions we made in mayhem where we thought we could compete was the ring entrances, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we built, cause remember how WCW had like all those that very, I say it like, it's not a thing now, but they had like, you know, the thing at Sturgis, I forget what it was called, but they had yeah. almost monthly events. Right? right. And they all had their own set pieces and all this. Mm -hmm. We wanted to kind of like lovingly recreate those. And then one day we like, oh, good gimmick is we can throw people back through the entrance. Right. You Irish then, whip them through the entrance and, and it ends up, yeah. And there's like a what? There's like just a box with like a black and white security camera <laughs> watching you while you get back in. And it was just this throwaway gimmick we, we cooked up over a couple of days. Um, and someone's like, you know what? If we can't compete with the wrestling stuff, like maybe that's the game. Like this right. is all the stuff the wrestlers get into that you don't see. You know, it's kind of like Deep Space Nine, right? Where it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it it's already sounds horrible, but it made sense at the time. Uh, so... Totally. Like, no, I mean, yes, <laughs> it, 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 it all makes sense in a really scary way. I'm like, yeah, no, like Deep Space Nine, of course. It's like, like we did we did this thing where it's like we were we were talking about. Um, it was the class. It's one of the classic examples of like strategically, this makes sense. But I'm not sure. Again, we, the royal we, mm -hmm. thought hard enough about is this something gamers actually want? Right. You know, it's like yeah. And, and then we had a compressed timeline, a compressed budget for it as well because it was experimental, and it just ended up not being one that great and two uh, competitive with with what was already out there. And so that was the that was kind of the. There's supposed to be one more game after that. It was a three game deal, and then that that kind of heralded the end of Kodiak Interactive. Yeah, I remember because I mean that's when WCW went away. So I, I imagine that like all those licensing deals or whatever kind of like EA Although, was probably. Uh, fun fact for you. Yeah. Before um, so yeah, do we actually? I think the I think the I, the founder of Kodiak. So we were working on ECW game. Really? Before before WCW and. God, let me think of the yeah. We, so we had because like, I remember because we would have, I think Rich went to shows and stuff. So I think we must have actually had the license. Yeah. And we, but I, I think the plan all along was just, 
okay, do this, and then we'll get EA, we'll show them we can do wrestling too, and we'll get EA to publish it. And then EA didn't want to publish ECW or something, and so they went with WCW and, like, the rest of this. But, like, for the first, I don't know, before we even got into the WCW stuff, I was there a year working on ECW stuff. That's where we built the technology and the rendering and, and wow. all that stuff. And so, yeah, like, we had ECW stuff. I Maybe we never actually had the license. It was aspirational. But, yeah. Like the first couple, the first months of that game being played were all ECW stuff. So it's crazy because yeah. there was just another like Kevin Gill who does wrestling announcing now, but was at IDOS and stuff before. And uh, he told a story recently because I guess he was at Rockstar for a while. And that Rockstar almost signed a deal with ECW at one point back then, too. Like kind yeah. of before Acclaim came in and took it. Because once Acclaim lost WWE yep. to THQ, um, they were like, uh, we can just slap ECW guys into this game and that'll be hardcore, right? We'll put a blood texture here. It'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, and, and they ended up getting it, but yeah, that's, I, that's funny. It's, it's, I mean, it makes sense, right? Wrestling games were hot and ECW was the third brand. It was the only one yeah. that kind of didn't have a license. It makes sense that it would kind of a few different studios would be trying uh, to make it happen. Yeah. Cause we, we didn't even have dev kits back then. And so, mm-hmm. uh, we were doing it all on three VFX hardware. And I, oh wow! I, I wrote straight to the Glide API. If you're familiar with that, if you remember mm-hmm. that, like the the glory days of 3DFX. Man, I I've been turned on a new a new podcast. Um, it's kind of like a. Uh, I really generically dislike stuff like this. Um, mm-hmm. but it's like a Silicon Valley founders podcast. Oh sure, and yeah. They did they did a um. I don't want to give them a free plug on this. They they can of course not the show if they want to. Yeah. But they did this two-part, five-hour podcast a few months ago on the history of NVIDIA. Oh, huh. Wow. Like, anyone remotely interested in PC games should dig that up and go listen to it. It is, um, It was really interesting and really just fun to, to kind of go back to those, like the Reva 128, and just, like, talk about all that old shit. And it was really well-produced podcast. Um, so, yeah, I'd dig that up and give it a go. Cause it was, nice. it's, it's five hours quite a commitment but yeah that's uh, a I lot was, I, but... I was i was enthralled yeah awesome yeah that's i'll 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 check i'll probably check that out i probably actually will check that out um yeah i'm trying to you know because like i went out to salt lake once i want to say it was like for south park and like jay moon brought me out there mm. i don't know if you know jay I don't. just the letter jay he's, he's passed away not that long ago but he was a, a claim he was at iguana for a oh, while jay, and... jay, jay, jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i okay. didn't know him like we we had kind of a contentious relationship with both Iguana and Acclaim. Okay. Um, it was, uh, yeah, just, let's leave it at that. It was not, it was not a, we didn't like them and they didn't like us and they bought, they bought the company. And so it was very awkward. Yeah. Yeah. No, the only, the only thing I, the only thing that made me think of it was when you said you didn't have dev kits because at one point we didn't have dev kits. Like we needed stations that we needed to be able to review a lot of PlayStation two games. Yeah. And Sony was like, here's one. And this is before mod chips existed and, and everything else. So, so we at one point went to Jay and said like, Hey, uh, what's up? And we, I think yeah. we ended up buying like three dev kits off of him or something. Um, <laughs> in a very above board deal, sure. totally legal, absolutely yeah. appropriate. Um, and, and everything else. But, um, I'm sure, I'm sure it didn't violate any of the license agreements with the, with the manufacturers. Of course it, not. No, it certainly didn't take the do not tamper sticker off. That'd be a violation. Obviously. Of course. That, why yeah. would I do that? That's, yeah. that's just, I mean, cause you're, cause you're a filthy vandal. That's why you would do that. Well, yeah, that's yeah. I'm, I'm straight from the streets. Um, <laughs> 
Hey, speaking of the streets, uh, you put out a game uh, about fighting in the streets. We did. Rumbleverse. Yeah, August. August. Yeah. And uh, it's go- It's not. It, it got shut down. Is that about a month ago now? February 28th. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess, you know, obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you're, you know, just business dealings or whatever. I'm not saying like spill the all of it. Sure, like, sure, what, sure. Hey, what happened? Yeah, it's like, you know, there's a lot of things I'm willing to talk about right now. Um, I, I think the the thing that, or willing, not willing to talk about, I should say, before people get too excited, like, uh, we're focused on a couple different things. Like, one, just trying to find a new home for it, mm-hmm. right? Like, and figuring it out and doing all that. Because, like, um, you know, we, we launched in August, and uh, generally pretty well-received, you know, nominated for some dice awards, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. I think, I think yeah. people, people that got it really, really got it. Um, and then it's just a fiercely competitive landscape, you know, right. and there's, yeah. there, there's a handful of winners and then a whole lot of everyone else. Right. And, yeah. um, I think the thing that sucked the most for me, this might sound weird, but just, it sucked for the team so, right. so much like the team really, we spent so we, we worked on that game for over four years. You yeah, know? I remember. I feel like I first heard about it or saw. Like, I think Adam might have been like, "Check out this PowerPoint thing." Yeah, and and that was a zillion years ago. And I'm like, "Man, yeah, yeah." And so when, when it was clear that uh, the game was getting shut down, you know, it's like, okay, well, how do we make this as right as possible for the people that love it, right? Yeah, and how do we take care of the team? Like actually flip mm-hmm. flip that order. If I'm being completely honest, like most concerned about the team and, and all that. And um, you know, I think we did right by both of those counts. And and so right now it's like, you know, it's it's tough, right? Because like, it's, I like I, I think one thing people don't understand about why a game like that would get shut down. I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter, and it's just like, if, if you put a game on the shelf. And mm. you charge sixty bucks for it or whatever, you know. It's if it's not like uh, if it doesn't need matchmaking and it doesn't need this free to play backend, you're kind of done with your spend on the game. But right. like, we were spending money every day. Again, the royal we there. Let's use the royal we. Sure. Yeah. We're spending money on the game every day, um, just keeping it running. And like, right. and that's not just you. That's your publisher yeah, as well. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why when I say the royal we, I'm trying not to get yeah. into specific details about who did what or sure. whatever. Right? Yeah. So like, um, and uh, it just at some point it's like, you, if once the decision gets made, it's it's not as simple as just oh just leave it up because the money has to come from somewhere, right? Right. And so, um. The, the thing that was unfortunate about it was the timeline was so abrupt. We didn't really have a lot of great options to find a new home for it in a graceful manner. Right. right. Yeah. And so, you know, the, right now it's like the first, the first priority for us was like, get everyone on a different game right away. You know, we're mm-hmm. not going to lay anybody off um, because of that. And I'm pretty yeah. proud we, we pulled that off. That That's something I'm pretty, pretty happy about. And then it's like, okay, once we do that, then, okay, let's find a new home for Rumbleverse in whatever form it ultimately takes. Right. Um, right. Cause there, there's still a great game there. It's fan. It's, I love that game mm-hmm. and I'm not alone. Like, you know, we, we did build a pretty good community of people out there that, you know, 
wanted to see it thrive and wanted to see it prosper. Um, and I want to bring something back for them to enjoy as well. So um, kind of a, like a very vague rambling non-answer for you there. Sure. Like that's the, that's the best I can do right now. Yeah. So. But I guess like, I mean that kind of like, cause the, the announcements about the game coming offline were also very vague, but there was a little bit of like, we hope this won't be the last time. Yeah. The, so, so I mean, I guess that's like you guys control the IP. Is that is it kind of back in your hands, and and you can kind of shop it around and like that? Yeah, yeah. Like Epic was really cool with all that stuff, and uh, you know they, um, we, the, the game is ours. We own it 100. percent We own the IP 100. Yeah. percent And so for us, it's more like um, it, it just this is like how to describe this like. You know, it's it's not as simple as just rolling up with Rumbleverse and saying like to, to have someone else relaunch it would actually be a nice chunk of work. Like you need mm-hmm. to get because we we did rely on Epic Game Store services for a, a lot of functions, right? So we, we need to yeah. swap all that stuff out for something else, right? We need to get a new free to play backend. We need to do all this other stuff. So it's not as simple as just like you know handing the game over to publisher x and say okay right. now put it in your store the next day and we're good to go yeah it, it's just not that simple and th- that's why like i you know i wish we had a little more time to make it a more graceful exit um than we had but you know it is what it is at this point so yeah i mean i i, I thought that like i don't know for yeah again for how abrupt all that stuff seemed uh i i guess like i i came at it from the approach of like well at least everyone got a refund it feels like there's a lot of that's the yeah that's the minimum you should do and yeah epic, epic was great about that like you know like i epic uh they handled it if when, once once that decision get got made they handled it about as good as you possibly could they took care of us they took care of the the, the people who invested money and time in the game right yeah and so nothing but good things to say about that part of it nice um yeah I kind of, you know, it, it, it's, it brings us into some of the questions that we got from uh, the folks on Patreon, the folks on the advisory panel, um, patreon.com. Advisory panel. You don't want this smoke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a handful of questions, but uh, Nanopus actually asks, uh, what is it? What is it like trying to maintain morale at a company where a, you have a situation like Rumbleverse? I mean, it sounds like you just kind of tried to get everybody focused on another game, but man, after four years of work, that's got yeah, it sucks. It super yeah. sucks, right? Like, yeah, because because like, um, I, I you know I I I think the way we went about it, like we, we like the reason the company exists, like wind the clock back fourteen years, right? Yeah, the, re- the reason the company exists. Because I got sick of being at places that closed on me overnight, right? Like, right. I, I was at three places that essentially either closed without severance or told me I have to beat cheeks before I get fired because they're they're reducing the staff or whatever. And yeah. like, um, and it just sucked. And so I, when we started this company, it's like this is not what we're doing. You know, we're going to build something that is a business first and a game developer second, right? Mm-hmm. And it has to be able to sustain all the weird shit that we've ever seen in this industry. And, you know, by and large, well, not by and large, we've absolutely done that, right? Like, like this, mm-hmm. is, this is about as dramatic as it gets. Like having a large AAA, if you want to use that term, production sure. closed on very short notice and not letting anyone go. It's just not something that happens in independent studios that often. Right. 
right? Yeah. Like, like most independent studios can't survive something like that. And so by doing all the other services type stuff and helping people understand that like, like when you come on Iron Galaxy, like we do this shit for a reason. Right. It's so if something really bad happens, everyone's going to be okay. Yeah. Like you can right? kind of absorb that and keep right. moving. And we talk about that shit all the time. Right. It's like, almost like a lot of bad shit happens in the game industry all the well, time. And well, you have to talk e- about but it. Right. Even, but even when it's not, we yeah. still talk about it. And it's like, Hey, listen. And, but then it's finally like, okay, it happened. And good right. news. It worked. None of you need to go look for a job. Right. Like we're we're going to find something interesting for everyone here to do. We're going to figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that was the first thing is like, Hey, don't worry. And the second thing is like, you know, there, there's, there's two categories of people. There's people that worked on that game and then there's everyone else in the company. Right. Right. And for the people that worked on that game, it's just confusion. It's just, I don't understand what's happening. You know, it's just a lot of lament, lamentation about like, you know, cause it's, it's also one of those things where if you talk to, you know, there's probably a hundred people in the company that touched that game at some point. Right. Yeah. Not, not counting all the people that did play tests or whatever, but people actually did work on it. And like, uh, a hundred different opinions on what we should have done differently. Right. Right. Like it's just, it's not like this. So, so it's a lot of kind of just like, um, people just need to express that in some way. And so they can feel heard and, mm-hmm. and they, they under, you know, like, okay. And so just giving a forum for people to kind of like vent and talk about it too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then for everyone else, it's just like, you know, Hey, we're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Just keep doing your thing. You know, um, right. And then it's, it's that first phase goes away. And then the second phase of like, okay, now seriously, are we going to be able to bring it back? If, if not exactly the way it was today in what form, mm-hmm. and you just start thinking about that and doing some work on that. And we're just kind of, if I'm being honest, we're just finally getting to that kind of phase now where we're just like, we're out of the, okay, the business is fine. Right. Yeah. Um, like and onto the okay now what do we want to do, you know, right? We're just kind of onto that phase now. So it's challenging, but because I think because we talk about just how crappy this industry can be so often, um, except for the new people. The new people haven't heard that speech enough. <laughs> but like the old, the people that have been around a couple of years have heard it a billion times, and right. they're like, they're like, okay, we get it, you know. So yeah, um, that's my view on it. I also probably have a very narrow perspective on how most people felt given my where i'm at in the company but like yeah Yeah. um yeah 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 cool um was it difficult to get that this is a a question from frederick was it difficult to start the studio in the first place like what were the big hurdles when when it came to like starting the studio up obviously 14 years ago things have, have changed quite a lot but like you know what did it take to get established and have a good name and, and get on to working with, I mean, you've, you've gone on to kind of work on some of the biggest franchises on the planet. Yeah. Uh, like kind of what did it take to make that happen or to yeah. earn the trust of the business? I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, um, I get to ask that question a lot by yeah. people like, Hey, I want to do what you did. How do how do you do it? And like, I, I worked at in the industry as a professional, so I, I started making games when I was a kid, and they were all horrible or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. like, I realized you could do it for a living. And I, I worked as a professional from '96 to yeah, I started in '96 at Sculptured. Then in '90, 
eight went to Kodiak. Then in 2001 went to Microsoft. And then Microsoft 2003 went to Midway. And I was at Midway till 2008. So I was in the industry for 12 years before I decided to, yeah. to do this, right? And so I already had tons of connections. I already right. had a billion yeah. people I worked with. Because one of the things that, you know, it's a pretty small industry still. It was even smaller back then. And when you're in a, like a studio like Kodiak or a studio like Sculptured or whatever that Microsoft Salt Lake that just gets scattered to the wind, mm-hmm. people go everywhere. And as long as, you know, if they think highly of you or they think you're good, that's an asset for you, right? Like you're, you're, you've got this network of people out there. And so really leverage that experience to kind of just start getting work for myself on a contract mm-hmm. basis, like doing like tech direction for hire kind of sort of thing. And then as I, as, as that was going well, people were like, Oh, we could use more people like you. Do you know any? And I started hiring people I worked with that I know and like, and we did that for a year and then after about a year is when I'm like, okay, like this, we could actually turn this into like, that's, what, that's when I had full confidence it would work. Like right. a, a year in where it's like, okay, this is, there's this a, is a company, insa- this is a real thing. Yeah. There's an insatiable appetite for this sort of help, right? Mm-hmm. In the industry. And we just have to, if we can fill that, um, will will be okay and it, it's a very different way to start a game studio like yeah. you know, i think most people start studios because they have the game in their head that needs to get out or mm-hmm. whatever and that is just not anything about how it started right for us it was like hey i don't want to fire my best friends right right and so i better make something that can stand the test of time and and you know also, you know, I have an engineering background. I'm not a business person. And so figuring all that out on the fly was very, like, imposter syndrome inducing and, like, you know. Sure, whatever. yeah. So, but yeah, like, so for me, like, but to answer Frederick's question, from the advisory board. From the from the advisory panel. Uh, well, panel, excuse me. You should call it board, yes. by the way. Panel. Come on. They're, they're board. Okay. Yeah, fix well, it. Well, it's, yeah. Fix it. All anyway, right. but, can... um, so I... For me, it wasn't that hard, actually. Mm. That's the that's the pisser. Like, like, it was really kind of before a lot of people did what we're doing now. Like, right. Like, everyone outsourced art back then, but no one outsourced engineering. It just didn't happen. Yeah. And it wasn't like I was this visionary person. It just happened to get lucky, good timing, you know, right right idea, right time. Like, you kind of had the, you had, had a good name from It's just what I, it's the only before. thing I could do. It's all I could do. Yeah. Right? That's... And so it's like... I'm going to go sell this one thing I can do. And yeah. luckily people are buying it now, you know? And so, um, it, I, I remember when I was talking to my wife about it, I was like, Hey, give me three months. And if I can't get something together in three months or it's not looking good, I'll go get a job doing whatever. And she was like, okay, cool. And then like, you know, three months turned into a year and then a year turned into two years. I'm like, okay, we're all in on this. And that's when we kind of like fully committed. So, well, I don't want yeah. to say fully committed, but that's when, I just burned the boats and started hiring a bunch of people. Right. Like, and started like filing real paperwork and yeah. listening to cannibal ox and, you know, yeah, exactly. Making, yeah. making it all happen. Yeah. Okay. And, like it was, it, that's when it's like, you know, cause when you're working with your friends, it's like, Hey, listen, we don't really have like a per diem policy. Just don't be a jerk. Yep. You know? Right. And then when you start hiring other people that maybe you don't have those relationships with, you need to start becoming more formalized in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, that's that's more what I mean. But yeah, 
Um, but yeah, it was it was it was not that hard. Uh, but it's mostly just a function of like the timing and mm-hmm. my career previously to starting the company than anything else. You know. Yeah, because I, I mean, well, it's it's part of it. The impression I always had is that you know because. Midway had something of a name for being incredibly good at Unreal Engine, especially on PS3. Yeah. And that seems like something that a lot of other studios maybe needed help with. Is that part of like in the early days, they were like, yo, you guys are Unreal Wizards and we have a PS3 port that is broken. Can you come make it not broken? Yeah. So so Midway, um, I was part of the advanced technology group at Midway. And that was a group in Chicago, a room full of like 20 or so engineers. And, like, kind of all we did was, like, help ship the next game out the door for Midway. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all Unreal 3 games, right? Yeah. Like, Midway fully committed to Unreal 3, gave up on Renderware, and they moved on. And we had shipped, we had helped ship in the ATG group Stranglehold, which... Right. Uh, or was it... Was it Area 52? Or if, I think uh, it... Which one was first? I think it was Stranglehold was first, right? I think... Stranglehold I look. But uh, I think I want. Hmm, I think I, Stranglehold feels like a very late, late in the game thing to me. Stranglehold is late two thousand seven, and uh, area was it actually called Area Fifty Two? Fifty One. Yeah, it was just it was just Area Fifty One because yeah. I, I remember I know. Was there talk about doing a sequel too? Because there's Black Sight Area 51 in 07, and then there was just regular ass Area 51 in 05, like two attempts to reboot okay. the Area uh, 51 franchise. Oh, so, uh, well, well, I guess the game ultimately doesn't matter, but we, we yeah. helped ship the first PS3 UE3 game. Like, we beat, we beat Turok out by like a week. Okay. Right? Yeah. And um, Unreal 3, you know, in the early stages of the PS3, did not take advantage of the PS3. It, it didn't really use the SPUs for a lot of stuff. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, it was still, you could make a game on it, but it wasn't fully optimized yet. And, you know, having just come off the clutches of that, like, the first, like, three years was us just, like, hey, we can help you ship your PS3 UE3 game. You know, right. that's yeah. the, that was the pitch for the first three years. Yeah. And then we started to get into some more and more stuff as that became solved for everybody. But, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's what we did at first. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Nice. Um, a1 Stakesa uh, says, Iron Galaxy has had their hands on a couple of the biggest VR titles with Skyrim VR and Fallout 4 VR. What was the experience like trying to make that notoriously difficult conversion? And if you had the opportunity to do it again, what would you do differently? I guess, like, I, what I want to know, I mean, you've done some VR stuff. So, just be, be very clear, we did very little on those games. Okay. So, like, so, so like p- part of what we do, there's some games we did, you know, soup to nuts on, mm-hmm. right? And there's some games we just help out with a tiny bit. Okay. And for let me, let me uh, hold you up a real sec. I'm just gonna. I need to check on this. I gotta go get dirty Mike. On. Go ahead. Right, I'll, go. I'll, I'll talk to the. I'll talk to the, <laughs> okay. the advisory panel. All right. Okay. I'll be, yeah. yeah. I'll be right back. How often does he do this advisory panel? This does not seem like very good hosting technique to me. I'm not here to judge. I've kind of been out of the podcast game for a minute, but this just seems kind of like. I mean, it's Jeff, right? So you kind of expect a certain amount of like just tomfoolery but this i if i was you i wouldn't put up with it i I, always back i'm gonna stop talking shit so yeah so that's why like in a lot of ways jeff has been a very good dear friend of mine i love him to pieces he's just the best fantastic yay um the furnace seems to work oh good that's timely nice um yeah so for those all we did was help like vr the frame rate 
you know, it has mm-hmm. to be like 90 or 120. Right. right? So people, and that's all we did is we helped optimize those with those ones to get it to 90 or 120. If I remember okay. Right. So very little on those, but like, you know, we did do Skyrim for the switch, mm-hmm. which was kind of like, that was one where we did everything, virtually everything on, you know, Bethesda yeah. was there. They're, they're riding along with us, but that was kind of our responsibility to, to, to get that done. And, and so, um, yeah, it's it's always interesting, like when you're in a custom engine, you know, because like yeah, what what you eventually figure out with all that stuff is like, oh, there's only like three ways to do a renderer, and there's <laughs> two kinds of audio middleware everyone use, and like every engine is just some version of those cobbled together. Yeah, and it's all the glue stuff that makes it good or bad or whatever. And so once you've seen enough of those, you kind of know what you're getting into. And by that point, we had seen enough of everything to kind of know. And so Skyrim was a really fun project for us on, on the Switch. Like Bethesda was a joy to work with. And uh, nice. that was, you know, we were early. We I think we were maybe the first third party dev in America to have Switch hardware. Um, oh, cool. If I remember right. Yeah. And uh, so it was just a very exciting time. And that project, we're all super happy with how that came out. So. Yeah, no, definitely. It seems like people were, I remember trying it and going like, it's it's crazy that this game runs on this little ass thing. Well, that's the thing. So it's like, that's the thing about Switch, right? It's like, if you compare that to like, um, the Switch somewhere in the power spectrum, right? mm-hmm. like between PS3 and PS4, right? you know, Xbox 360 and Xbox One, the Switch is somewhere in between there, mm-hmm. right? And it ran on these, it ran on both of them right yeah so getting it to work somewhere between like that that it's more about like um it's like the challenges in that game were there were performance challenges to be sure but like sure yeah it was more about like how do you make this a switch game you Mm -hmm. know and and not like uh just like a tacked on kind of garbo thing you add amiibo support you know you make sure you know put yoshi in it like that i mean that's just like stuff right amiibo throw amiibo support in there yeah done um But, uh, you know, just, uh, VR in general, obviously, has been, I mean, I just realized not that long ago that we've kind of been, it's basically been a decade now of, like, consumer-grade VR kind of being back, if you count yeah. kind of the initial Rift release and, and all of that. It feels like that's just, you know, we talked about AI being kind of like Web3. Like, there are parts of VR, at least from the funding perspective back in the day, that almost seems like a similar grift to me. Uh, like, where are you at with VR? Do you think that there's any... Like, It, it seems like that there's interest there. Obviously, Sony just put out a, a new headset yeah. that's, like, very well made. But I guess, like, are you... What do you, what do you think about that market in general? Do you think it's going to go anywhere? Do you think it's going to blow up and get big or, or anything like that? Yeah, so I... Part of... Um... Part of um, our business model, right? Our business model is like basically just stay in business. Right. Right. Like whatever it takes to stay in business, right? Yeah. And a long time ago, I figured out like I'm not smart enough to know what's going to be successful and what's not. Mm-hmm. Right. Like like I learned a valuable lesson from the Connect. Right. Sure. Like we, yeah. like we, like we started helping out Phosphor and Microsoft with Connect Adventures. Right. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, this connect. I don't know about it. I don't know if the consumers want it. I don't know if it's the tech is there or whatever. And like a lot of people are like, man, maybe you shouldn't do that, Dave. 
you know, maybe <laughs> you shouldn't do that. But I'm like, eh, what's the worst? You know, they're paying us. Like, let's make it right. as good as it could be and see what happens. And then from our work on Connect Adventures, we got to do a prototype with uh, Gore Verbinski's crew, that Matter prototype that you can Google and see stuff about that. That was super fun. Mm-hmm. And that turned into us pitching Racketeer and that getting signed. And then us doing a good job on Racketeer, uh, that turned into Killer Instinct for us. Right. Right. And so, like, if you're asking me, like, what do I think about VR? I'm like, I would love to do more VR stuff because who knows what will come from it for Iron Galaxy. Right. right. And yeah. that, that that's the degree to which I think about these things. I don't, like, I don't care in a lot of ways if this thing X is going to be successful or not because whatever, whatever like, what Iron Galaxy will get out of working on anything is we will hopefully get more capable. Mm-hmm. Right? We will build better business relationships. And if it ends up being successful, then we have experience on a su- successful platform. Right. Right. And, and oh, yeah. by the way, we didn't have to spend our own money to do it. And so, um, yeah, I don't really have a great answer to that question for you. Like, it seems like VR is like, you know, I know Quest 2, they were selling them as fast as they could make them. Right. Um, but I also know there's a lot of developers out there that are getting deals signed for VR, but not a lot at our size and scope and, and size that we do it at. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like, it feels to me like there's a pretty decent ecosystem for developers out there, but I'm not super well versed in it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It, it's hard from the, you know, because I, everything I heard about VR at this point, at least from the funding side or whatever is like a little bit out of date so it just seems like there was that gold rush there early on where everyone was just throwing money yeah. at it and then suddenly it was like oh no one no one is showing up to fund no, these like big, I, bigger projects anymore and I, I, I met a develop, yeah i met a developer in gv i didn't meet i've we, the developer we used to work with like 10 years ago and uh-huh. we still still are friendly with like we're having coffee at gbc and they're like no we're pivoting to be 100 percent vr Oh wow! It's like, cool. you know, this is smart, smart. It's a smart team, a smart crew. Like, they wouldn't do that if there was not some reason to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, you know, that's not. It's the opposite of what we do. We're never all in on anything, you know. Right. Um. Yeah. But uh. But yeah. So it's like I, I believe there's still funding happening out there, and yeah. Cool. And all that stuff. So. Um. I guess that kind of brings us to Kyle, who wrote in and said, uh, "What's the biggest business change that you've seen in the industry since you started?" And what industry change has affected you the most personally? Hmm. I, it's a very, I should have looked at these questions ahead of time. You're, right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. That's a yeah. deeper one that I was ready. Like if I had to say the biggest one for me personally, um, uh, you know, I, I, well, I think the biggest change for the industry that I've seen is the, just the consolidation that's happening. Right. Right. And the consolidation that's happening around, around, and what's, what's driving it, you know, stuff like game pass stuff, mm-hmm. like everyone needs their own content, exclusive content. Right. And that drives consolidation. And that has really changed my perspective on the industry. Cause like, you know, part of this too is just that we're more established now and we're kind of seen as experts in our field in a lot of ways. And like, um, so it's just kind of easier for us to get work, but like, yeah, you know, eight years ago, there was so much more competition mm. for everything. For, yeah. Like, whether you're pitching an original thing or you're trying to help out on Diablo 3 for the Switch or whatever, like, it's just, 
there was just a million more developers out there right now, <laughs> you know? Right. And, yeah. And now, like, you know, they get gobbled up by keywords or they get gobbled up by Saber or whatever, it is, whoever it is today, right? Right. Kind of does, yeah. kind of doesn't like. That's been the biggest change for us. It's kind of gone from like the the little startup trying to figure it out um, mm-hmm. to you know, one of the largest in North America that's still independent. You know, Bungie's sold gearbox is sold right you know i think behavior is still bigger than us you know mm. um, right, right. But like you know, there's so it's like that's been the that's been the consolidation is the biggest change i've seen and what it means for us personally is just like you know our our it's just our our place in the industry is really kind of like we're, we we have a front row seat for everything that happens now and yeah, we, yeah. we never we never had that before and it's pretty exciting yeah. So with so, with less competition out there, is there ever? I mean, it seems like you're you're hiring up at a time when a lot of companies are. Well, not maybe not hiring up, but you know, you have open positions at a time when a lot of companies are being pretty skittish. Is this just kind of the nature of the way the business has been run? Is just like, hey, we're we're going to be careful. We're going to be smart about it. Yeah, I've you know I've always like there's there's obviously exceptions to this. Like mm. like Super Giant's a great exception, right? Super yeah. Giant, all they do is make amazing games that sell. Right. So, so Easy. that's all, that's all they, that's all they do. Yeah. Right? yeah. Just bangers. Well, yeah. Most people can't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would argue over a long enough timeline, Supergiant will eventually maybe lay an egg too. Good news for Supergiant. They probably have a money in the bank to weather that storm. Right. Sure. But if you look at the other end of the spectrum, people that started, a, 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 maybe had one successful game or none. And then they have one that just doesn't find the market. Right, it's a good yeah. game, but it just doesn't find an audience. Like, they just they don't have an option of what what to do, right? They you know, right, and so like, um, so like, but for pitching services, mm-hmm. unlike unlike pitching a video game, like you getting games is making getting making games is getting harder, not easier, right? Right. And people need more help than ever. And so if you're like, there's always, I believe anyway, there's always going to be a market for someone saying, hey, let us help us, let us help you make your game. Right. Um, And so I, you know, I think like the people getting into the space now are going to find it's incredibly hard to get established because Mm -hmm. the people, there's people like us who have been doing it for 14 years and, you know, you're essentially competing with us and you can only compete on price. You know, you, you can't right, say you right. can't say you're better. You can't say you're going to be more consistent. You can't say you can only compete on price with us, and that's going to be very, very challenging for anybody. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's 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 more it's more right now about timing and opportunity than anything else. You know, like I remember when Adam started, he's like, "Who's our competition? Who do you know?" Adam's been here six years now. It's like blink of an eye, right? But like Jesus, real yeah, man, God, yeah. okay. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, I want who's all in our competition? Like we don't think about it like that you know like we're just out here golfing you know like mm-hmm. all we worry about is our score we don't worry about what anyone else shot that day that's all we're doing and so yeah. um i don't know if that answers your question or not but that's kind of how we think about it yeah no that that makes sense um and let's see i think this is the last question from the advisory panel here um actually no we, we got a couple here um kaylin says uh hey dave long time push-up club member oh nice 
Oh, yeah. Uh, big fan of the ethos of Iron Galaxy. A friend of mine who works there says it's the best studio he's ever been a part of. Yay! Um, would love to know your thoughts on the emergence of the Influencer Becomes the Publisher Act that has come of, as of late. As a games marketer myself, I see a lot of commercial benefits to this approach, both in the awareness to conversion creation and breaking some of the trappings of typical marketing hubris, but also have some concerns of the effects it might have on the studio's personal agency and actually developing the game. Uh, would love to get the take, uh, your your take on this. So yeah, I mean, if you haven't, uh, yeah. there's you know cases where there's people that are more closely in yep. my kind of chair that are saying, hey, we're gonna get out there and start a publisher and we're gonna sign deals and and yeah. and and put out some games. So what, I I don't know enough about any of those operations to comment like intelligently. Yeah, but I, and I don't think it's specifically about any of their operations either. It's more just like conceptually. Generic- Generically, what I would say is, like, uh, about 10 years ago, like, for a long time when I was getting started, making a game was one of the hardest things you could do. You know, mm-hmm. the, there weren't great dev kits. You needed extreme technical skill. There weren't off-the-shelf engines you could get, like Unity, Unreal, whatever, like yeah. to, help, to help you do it, you know. Um, and about 10 years ago, maybe even a little bit longer it actually became harder to sell a game than make a game. <laughs> right. And yeah. publishing. What do you think? Is, what do you think caused that? Is it just like we talked about stores earlier? Is it just because so many more started coming out? Or no, it's like, just that it got easier to make games. Okay. Yeah. It's just that it got easier to make games. And then that, that, that the fact that it got easier to make, make games means more games got made, which made it harder to sell games. Okay. So it's, it's kind of like a, you know, it's like one of these curves where it's like the, they, they mm-hmm. by naturally when one goes up the other has to go down right yeah definitely um and uh publishing you know we tried publishing a couple of years ago and had really i mean if adam's been there for six years i'm gonna say it was more than a couple of years ago yeah and it was it's just it's the hardest thing we ever tried to do yeah you know it is publishing is such a challenging business and whether you're an influencer or someone else coming from a different space, what, like good luck is all I can, it is impossibly hard job. And mm-hmm. um, I'm glad we tried to publish the games because it gave me a new respect for, you know, a lot of the challenges publishers face every day. Right. Um, and I, I've also like, you know, I think in a perfect world we could develop that skill and we could not be reliant on anyone else for our success or failure or whatever. Um, but I also now have an incredibly healthy respect for the challenges that set of jobs entails. And yeah, I, it's it's not just yeah, show up with the money and and yeah, I'll get a higher milestone bills. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. fucking it's fucking impossible. And um, so I, you know, I've, like I saw the thing with Shroud is working closely with uh, Splash Damage and all that. And like, yeah. it's not exactly what you're talking about, but like, you know, that to me makes a little more sense than like. You know, Mr. Beast is going to make a game or whatever. I, I right. don't know. But like, um, yeah. but like, uh, yeah. It's or just, just sign a game or just say like, hey, right. I'm, I'm taking pitches over here for games or, you know. Just like, really, really, really hard. And yeah. uh, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last question from the advisory panel, who definitely wants the smoke. Uh, Robert says, uh, I'd love to know any good spots for food and or drink in Orlando. Um, so I haven't been to Orlando that much during COVID. Yeah. Um, there's a new ramen spot I heard that's amazing. I think it's called Domu. Okay. So that's what I've heard. Um, what else do I got for you? 
Um, oh, gnarly barley. If you're if you're in a beer, uh, they have a bunch of kind of not common beers there and really good sandwiches. Uh, right. A little out of the way. It's like, I wouldn't say it's Orlando proper. It's, it's South Orlando, but um, those would be the two off the top of my head I got for you. Cool. All right. Well, um, if you got the time, I got you know some some other news and some other stuff going on. You want to hang out and talk about I'm it? Hang out for a bit longer. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Let's pretend, um, like, let's pretend like I'm unemployed for a day. Let's go for it. Great. Awesome. Uh, I have spent a good chunk of time since Friday playing Resident Evil Four which just came out again. Uh, and I, this is the first time I have played resident evil four and actually enjoyed any part of it. Really? Yeah. I mean, so, resident evil four is one of my, like, um, I don't want to say desert Island games, but it's the game that like, it's the game that made me get horror games. Yeah. This, this yeah. is maybe in danger of doing that for me too, in a way, but I, I'm not sure. But so, the other thing I realized is around the time they, the last time they remade it, when they put it back out on the Wii and, and some of the other, other stuff, is I realized that when that original game came out, um, being colorblind meant I couldn't see the red dot sight at all. And so I, I played it. Slight and I was problem. Like, yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't know yeah. why you people keep saying this game's amazing. The shooting is absolute <laughs> trash. Yeah. What the hell is wrong with you? This is this is almost worse than the previous Resident Evil games because at least I could aim at targets and hit them there. Yeah. Uh, and and didn't realize until kind of after the fact. I was like, oh, okay. There's like a total facet of this that just like accessibility yeah. wise is is just like missing for me. Um. And so going back to it now, obviously, like they've they've made quite a lot of changes. It's not as dramatic as some of the other Resident Evil remakes they've they've done, but. Uh, getting back to it and just being able to kind of appreciate it and hit targets and some of this other stuff. I'm like, yeah, no, there's, there's aspects of this that are, that are really neat, but parts of it that are corny in a way that a game that was originally conceived all those years ago, kind of still has a a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that going on with it, you know? Yeah. I, I I definitely am going to play the, the remake because four for me is like, um, you know, Daryl, you met Mm Daryl before. Yeah. So Daryl and I, we were, we both loved four and those like we both like, I remember we both played, played it at the same time, I think. And we both like went through that first village part. Yeah. And we're just like, like, we were just, we were like the next day at work, we were just talking about it. Like for, I don't know how, but it's like, okay, this is our shit. And there was a period there where midway, when they started on unreal three, I think it was after it was between blitz one and blitz two. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't clear that blitz one was going to do well enough to warrant a sequel. They weren't sure what they wanted to do with us. They're like, hey, just figure out Unreal 3. Daryl and I were going to like recreate the village from <laughs> RE4. That's like how into RE4 we were, right? Yeah. Um, never ended up happening for a variety of reasons, mostly laziness. But like, um, the, yeah, like I am really eager to jump in and I've just heard nothing but amazing things about the remake. So like, like if you, if you found any, because all I've seen online is like, the qualities through the roof. Has that been your yeah. experience as well? Or is it- yeah, totally. And, and and playing it on PC has been um, really nice too. It, it's a beautiful looking game. I mean, it's like, it's, it's the, the lighting is fantastic. It runs well, which is something that's been kind of concerning in some PC ports lately. Um, but like, yeah, runs great. Looks really nice. Like really nice hair. Like, all, you know, just, just every, every bit about these environments looks, they look fucked up, grimy, wet, 
the good reflections, good puddles, like like yeah. all the the little bells and whistles that help make all those environments really kind of come to life in the grimmest way possible. Uh, yeah, I, I was really taken with just like I, I found myself like I and I was streaming it last week, so you can go watch that video on YouTube. Um, but like I found myself like multiple times, and I never do this. But like I would, I stopped and just like looked around. Like I did this with Horizon VR because there was just elements of that that was like I don't think this is a I'm I'm not enjoying this as a video game. But goddamn, it's beautiful to look around in yeah. VR. But like I found myself doing that here too. Of just like I'm gonna stop and look at like man, this the light coming through these trees looks crazy. Nice. Just like elements of that that just yeah. like from a technical perspective, like that already engine, like like Capcom. Yeah, yeah. Man, they're they're I, just doing some cool shit. I'm excited to just meet my. My friend, little tiny Cervantes again. <laughs> I, I can't wait. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I saw some complaints. People saying like, oh, you know, you can't kneecap them as easily or, or it's not like kneecap roundhouse kick, you know, shoot them in the, in yeah. the leg or whatever. Like that there's elements of that that kind of changed or, or little, little bits and pieces. But I think that's, that's most of the, of the criticism I think I've seen okay. has been relatively, relatively light stuff All right. there. I, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, Hey, speaking of PC ports, I you know just it feels like we've hit a bit of a rough patch with that stuff. I wonder if you have any like working in the port business. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say like, hey, talk shit about people that are out there doing ports who are not you, but like it, it just feels like there's been some rough stuff lately. Either like, hey, one console runs way better than the other. Like, there's just some disparity there that seems like it shouldn't be there do you feel like studios are still kind of getting used to new consoles are we still in these like early days of figuring those things out like what what's Um, what's going on out there it feels a little weird yeah i i I guess i don't share that view i I think it's always been weird and hard okay and like i'm always kind of just like like anytime something gets released that maybe is like a little rough around the edges or not like you know it's it's just freaking hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an excuse to the consumer. Like the consumer shouldn't have to care about that. And then right. you know, they, I'm not asking for sympathy. Right. But like, mm-hmm. if you're asking for my perspective on like, you know, what's going on, I'm just like, yeah, man, it's just freaking hard and getting harder. You know, like, <laughs> like the, 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 the bar for quality is accelerating faster than mm-hmm. the price for the product. Right. right. Yeah. And, you know, we get better and faster making games all the time, but like this, it's just, this, it's just hard. It's, you know, it's, it's like the whole $70 debate for a game thing. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, games, they can't stay the same price forever. It's just not how the world works. Right. Like, right. Car, yeah. Cars aren't still $8,000, <laughs> you know, like, sure. Yeah. So it just, but we're still charging the same shit and people want more and more quality. It's just getting harder and harder. So like, I'm not, I don't personally share the view what you said uh, that I, I think it's always been, there's always examples you can point to of something that's a little rough here and there or whatever. Right. But like, um, yeah, I just think it's that. Okay. Yeah. I guess like, well, you, you talk about, you know, game novels getting harder. Sometimes it feels like all of these GDC or, you know, like Unreal, like Epic will get out and make a bunch of announcements about like, look at this and we've got an asset store like it, a lot of it feels like it's targeted at like hey we're trying to make it easier to make games do you feel it's like is maybe like the the lower end the smaller studio lower end is a shitty way to put it but like yeah. the 
the kind of smaller team? Is it maybe getting easier for them? Are the tools getting more democratized in ways that help them? But still, if you're trying to make something at a high level of quality, a, a full-fledged $60, $70 product, is that just getting crazier and crazier? Yeah, so my comments were more directed at like, oh, hey, we're sim shipping on like six platforms. Right, yeah. And like, you know, not making this like bespoke thing for one thing or whatever. But like, you know, it's um, it really, it's when I, when I say it's getting harder, it's that the tools are getting better all the time. Mm-hmm. The asset store stuff is great for so many, de- like, you know, for, for a lot of developers, like tools are getting better, engines are getting better, like, you know, Unreal gets better every single year. It's it's a great place to make games. But like the the part of it that isn't factored into that calculus is just the competitive landscape, you sure. know. Right. Is is getting it's just it's just fierce. It's just fierce out there. And yeah. um you know, it's so to compete just takes more and more and more and more money. And if you're trying to compete at scale with maybe, you know, you don't have access to that top tier level of funding. Mm-hmm. You know, some either have to be god tier planners or something's got to give. You know. Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, have you been playing much of anything lately? Have you? You know, like, I've, I've, I've been, been playing Hitman. RE4. Just been doing <laughs> nice. a bit, the the Hitman. The new. The, what's the new thing called? Freelancer. Yeah, I just been doing that over and yeah. over. Um, the the big thing I played before that, uh, I got through Horizon Zero Dawn. Cool. Um, those I. I played through the first one about two, three years ago, mm. and then I played through this one, and that is my new favorite open world franchise. I freaking love those games. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, then I then a lot of Rumbleverse in between there and Hitman, but lately it's just been like the the Hitman stuff's interesting because it's like they uh, there are some missions that mm-hmm. just feel unfair, <laughs> but it's okay. Right. Because because it's like that's the that, this sorry you just got to blaze up a room full of people and get out somehow <laughs> you just got to figure you know like yeah toss it ain't it, gonna toss. be pretty yeah. if you want to do this one but I, yeah. I, I I was doing I was doing one yesterday where it was um it wasn't it was like one of the not the mini bosses but one of the ones leading up to and so there's just one target and yeah. it was in it was in the China map. And it was like the lowest level of I don't know if you're familiar with it, but anyway, there's this like there's this above part, uh, city part to the map. Right. And then there's like this technology base where they're doing all this bio lab stuff. At the lowest level, some random ass scientist is the one I gotta kill. Yeah. Surrounded by like four guards or whatever. <laughs> and so, so, but they also have like this series of like um, tunnels mm-hmm. that connect different parts of it. And I've never, I'm like, I bet the AI can't get in these tunnels because they, they can't. And so I was just like hiding, like poking, like blazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, that's what it took for this one. Yeah. That's what, that's what it took for this one. I, I freaking adore it so much. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to play some more today. I love that game. Nice. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, everything, that whole trilogy is so, I, I, you know, I, I was talking about I, it again not that long ago. It's so crazy how good that thing is. It's a, they did, they delivered for, at such a high level for yeah. so long. And, and, and also, from, again, I don't know anything. That's one developer I actually don't know anybody at. And so yeah. I don't, but like, um, in seemingly impossibly adverse business conditions as well. Right. Yeah. Right? Like, like, how did, how, how did you do that? Like, like change publishers and still try to make this connected trilogy that goes in one thing. And, you know, it's like you see the story where they're just like, 
yeah, well, Square Enix had the store ID on Sony, so we were just yeah. like, <laughs> you know, just like the yeah. number of weird, like technical and logistical hurdles they had to get through to make that thing happen. Yeah, yeah, it's just they did they every I, I I'm really looking forward to the Bond game they're doing. Yeah, me too. Um, like I, anything they do, I, I I think pound for pound, like. If they could put it, if Bond comes out and it's like anywhere close to the quality of Hitman, they will yeah. officially become my current favorite developer. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not like the biggest Bond fan in the world, but I still feel like that's it's just an IP that gets so rarely realized yeah. in games in terms of just like dude is a spy. He's yeah. not a first person shooter man. He's a <laughs> there's like more to being James Bond yeah. and walking around corners and blazing fools and. Uh yeah, I don't know. Like seeing Hitman and thinking about what they could do with that is yeah. super yeah. super exciting, man. Oh yeah, gosh, yeah. Um, they're they're the real deal. And uh, in in IO, I trust. Yeah, yeah. I I am I am with you. I was not always that way about IO Interactive, but man, they have made some amazing video games. Yeah. Um. Let's see. You know, what no, we... I, I changed one of my takes. Yeah. Um, I used to think. Uh, Sapienza was the best map. Yeah, and, and I've got I've, I've I've changed my mind after playing a lot of Freelancer. Okay, it's so Sapienza. I think one of the reasons I liked it is it had the best set pieces. Mm-hmm. Right, like oh, you can start off in the casket and be you know be right. dead and all like all that shit. It was just yeah. amazing. Just right? a lot like, of like crazy, yeah, yeah, just fun, yeah. And so I think from single player content, Sapienza is still probably like top tier, if not the best map. But mm. if I was going to reshuffle things for freelancer mode, Sapienza is actually a little too big for freelancer. Oh, sure. And it's, I wonder if that's one of the reasons it doesn't show up as frequently as the other ones or if, uh, or what's going on with that. But um, yeah, like I, I, I've kind of been rethinking my map hierarchy with freelancer mode in mind. And I haven't, I haven't firmly established anything, but I, I used to, uh, yeah, it's, it's, where are you leaning? Well, part of it is like, I really like New York. Mm. New York's yeah. great. I really like, uh, cause there's a lot of ways to get to every level in New York. So kind of no matter what they throw at you, you can kind of always know how to get there efficiently. And Paris is the same kind of thing. Like Paris, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to get the helmet Kruger gear. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to go that route, but like, you know, it's, if you want to do it, then you have access to the whole map and you just kind of do it stress-free. So like, I think those are, those are probably two of my favorites. Um, Nice. Where some of the, some of the ones I don't like are the ones like, uh, like Mumbai, I think is really hard. Like, Mm. He's, oh, it's a random person in a crowd. It's like, what are you going to do? You know, right. it's just like, yeah. Um, yeah. I think there was but, an elusive target there once that I, I remember just early on just being like, oh man, this yeah. is, this is a bit too much. I believe um, I sniped that one if I remember right. So that would make sense. I was, I was in yeah. business there. Yeah. Nice. Putting in the work. Yeah. But yeah. Um, a batch of news happened over the last week. Uh, let's see here. Ubisoft has pulled out of E3 despite being like the one company that every that everyone finally nailed down because Eve gave some quote of, well like well if E three is happening we will be there and and then and then E three had to be like well E three is definitely happening and Ubisoft had to be like well then I guess we'll like, then I guess we'll be there as of yesterday apparently not they are pulling out and they're going to do their own event 
uh, I guess the day after the Microsoft thing. So they're still going to be in LA putting on a show. They're just not necessarily going to be a part of the show floor. Um, yeah. This this just seems like an ROI thing increasingly for all of these publishers. Like, what are they getting out of E3? I, I love E3, but also every year I feel like, even before the pandemic, every year I feel like there were all these conversations we had on the couch about like, man, this seems like a lot of money everyone's spending to do this in a world where people just like to watch live streams. Yeah. You think, you think I, this... I, yeah, I mean, I, I think E3 will can't die like if it hasn't died yet it's not gonna die sure it it can't be killed it's like the cockroach or whatever but like um i do like the i i I, the thing that it used the e3 used to be magic about right is like Mm -hmm. i could go play a game before it comes out right right that was the only that was the only place in the world you could do that yeah but then that's been you know, effectively duplicated by several things, like stuff like packs or just, you know, whatever. Or just yeah. demos. I mean, demos, you know, like there's yeah. so, so much yeah. more stuff, open betas yeah. and just, there's so many more things like that happening. And so they, they just, you know, the show has not evolved with the times. And I think there's still a place for a big dumb show in LA. I think there's still yeah. a place for that, but um, they got like, they just have to figure out like, okay, what can we do better than packs? You know, or what can we do better right. than whatever, and just and yeah. lean into that. So I, I, yeah, I, I, I actually don't even know who's going and who's not going because I don't pay any attention anymore. Because right, like, yeah, you know, it's not yeah. your, yeah, it's, it's not it's like not, it's not, gonna have a booth it's there. Just a po- it's just impossible. Like it's like, it's like, uh, I, I think for for the amount of time people spend talking about E three and is it happening or isn't or is it gonna be crappy or is it. Like the amount of energy people spend talking about it uh, surpasses the actual value the show has held for a very long time. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's just kind of like, what are, what, are, what, are you, what are we talking about? Like, what do we. Yeah. I think yeah. for me, it's become this like nostalgic thing of just like, well, I went to all of them and I feel honor bound yeah. uh, to continue to go to all of them. And, if not and... me, then whom? Yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah it's yeah. disgusting. But like, that's yeah. the that, that's the trap I've I've fallen into, um, and and so I just look at it and go like, it's funny because like I think for the for the people out there watching this or you know for anyone out there that like follows game news, we're gonna get to that week in June and there's gonna be a ton of announcements because yeah. everyone's gonna still have their live stream and their event or or whatever else. So it's like this weird hand wringing about this thing that like. It's not really going to have a massive impact on the way people consume game news. It just kind of spreads it out a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as someone, you know, like as someone who has aspirations for how I like to cover trade shows and want to kind of get back to doing yeah. uh, want, a little something to... when the sun goes down, you know, it, it like there's a part of it's just like, well, this is not the year for that. Um, I, I do think the thing that was, um, you know, if you want to blame, anybody blame nintendo right because like sure nintendo is the first one to do like hey we actually don't need to do a big e3 press conference we can just do a nintendo direct yeah at least at least that's the way i remember it like maybe i'm wrong well yeah i mean there's definitely that during the pandemic but almost you know sony pulled out of e3 before the pandemic even happened they were just like i thought i thought nintendo started doing their own show before anyway whatever whoever the first one was yeah like, I mean, the first just... one was like, it was Activision in like, was that 07 or 08 or something? Like, I remember they pulled out of the show and then just got a hotel nearby. And they're like, hey, man, we're showing Call of Duty. Do you want to come see it? I'm like, yeah. 
yes, I would. Yes, I would. Yes, I guess I should probably go see this Call of Duty game and see what that's all about. Um, all right, so my thesis, though, my thesis appears deeply flawed then. So it, it's mind. been a lot of companies over yeah. the years, but to me, it was like when Sony had their last big year where they had their press conference and everyone had to walk through like this big, like last of us inspired yeah, yeah, yeah. set to get there. And people were like, this is like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, I, I think that was probably a moment for them where they were like, we spent a lot of money and then people were just like, show us the games. So what if we instead did a live stream? Right. Or what if instead we went to Paris games week or whatever, you know, Sony's Sony is Sony. Um, but you know, Nintendo obviously, would build their big booth and spend a bunch of money building like, Hey, we put a tank in the booth because we, we built new donk city in the booth. Yeah. Come check it out. And the, the uh, lines know. of the Nintendo booth were always bonkers. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, you know. so, yeah. Like that, that was always a head scratcher to be like, man, you come to E3 and you wait like five hours in a line to play a game for two minutes. Like, yep. That's yeah, it was, it, that was always the weird thing about like when they said like we're gonna let the public in. I was like, you better add some more kiosks because yeah. what? Because the, the other thing that happened is like you you talk about like oh it's, it's the only place to go play a game before it comes out, but increasingly all the games you actually wanted to see were behind closed doors and appointment only. So if you yeah. were just a show goer, like if you were a dev at another studio, they were just like, well, I don't know anybody, I can't call in favors. I'm you know, but I do have an E3 badge. The E3 badge doesn't get you access to all that much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and so even I think from an industry perspective, it got weird. But anyway, yeah, it's it's now, you know, Andy Robinson from Video Games Chronicles out there today saying like, you know, that there's just a lot of additional kind of bad chatter going around. And and at this point, he wouldn't be surprised if the whole thing got canceled, which is crazy to think about here in March. Uh, you know, people are already making travel plans and, you know, outlets press outlets that have already been decimated by layoffs and already have no budget to spend are like, yeah. uh, what are we doing? And that's a really crazy place to be here almost in April. Um, so something's they're, they're going to have to figure something out pretty soon. Um, what else is going on? Multiverses, the game most likely to be confused for Rumbleverse from name alone, uh, has, has decided to fall. Uh, it, they're shutting down. Uh, they're they they are shutting down in June, and that they are looking to come back in early 2024. They made it about a year, all told. They're technically on season two. They're going about this in kind of a weird way. Um, they have decided they, they have always called multiverses an open beta, yep. and so their announcement was like, "Open beta is coming to an end," yep. and with it, the game's shutting down, and we'll be back in early 2024. It's a really wild way to go about doing it uh dirty mike yeah yeah he's he's here he gave me a big thumbs up yeah. and he pointed at the ground like like we're here <laughs> and then went back out there so hopefully the roof will be taken care of now yeah. um uh, this is an interesting way to do it they are not going to do refunds because they say any money you spent will be still good when the game comes back and this is all like they were supposed to roll out season three like this week and instead um they're announcing that the game will shut down in in, in june for at least six months if if not more uh i guess it's it's kind of like you said man it's yeah, fucking I mean, brutal I, out there i i think like there's another universe where rumbleverse tries something like this too mm -hmm. you know like where um first off just 
hats off to those devs. Like that that game is I really really like that game. I and, I don't even I don't normally like games like that and I think just between the IPs they had and just yeah, like it was just, just a fun just it was fun. just a fun ass game. And so hats off to them first and foremost and um you know uh but like if Rumbleverse just didn't you know disappear entirely we mm-hmm. something like this probably would have happened, right? And yeah. so like it's one of those things where it's like um Hey, we need to recognize that some of what we're doing is not working for everybody. Yeah. And we need some time to adjust some things and fix that, right? Mm-hmm. And and are we just going to keep, you know, spending money on the game every day while we fix it or is, does this make more sense? And so I really hope it works out for them. Um I hope whatever they're trying to accomplish between now and the relaunch or the I guess the coming out of beta. Yeah. Um you know, because I would love to see this work. Because, like, you know, we, we talked about doing something like this for our mm-hmm. game. And just ultimately concluded it didn't make a ton of sense. But, like, um, yeah, Godspeed. And I, I wish them tons and tons of luck. This is, uh, it's, t- it's really tough. And, um, yeah, I hope, yeah, I I hope think, fingers, fingers crossed for multiple. Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing that I saw them running into was just a, a cadence of content releases when it came to new characters. Like, it seemed like season one, they had a really good flow with that stuff. And then they got to season two and it was like, eh, the characters are kind of slowing down a little bit. And, and some of the other stuff is getting delayed here and there, but you know, it's, it's, I, I can only really think about it through the lens of like a website. And I've definitely been parts of website operations where it's like, man, what you really need to do is shut this thing down for like six months, rebuild it from the ground up, make it actually good because you've got so much, whether it's tech debt or just bad user features or, you know, just like the, like the sites become a mess because you're constantly just building things onto it over time. Right. But you can, you know, you can't just shut down a website. Then there's no revenue coming in. Everybody gets laid out. You know, it just doesn't work. And so it was always this feeling of like, well, you can't rebuild the car while it's trying to race down the track. And so I wonder if this is a, you know, this probably gives them a situation where they're talking about, net code and matchmaking improvements like pretty you know reworking the progression like fairly sizable changes to the game and that they say they learned a lot over the course of of the game being out and i wonder if it's just a case where like they actually get to take the car off the track and do what actually needs to be done instead of just like this constant fire of just like all right just uh, what put this character out this character's broken fuck all right well you know like this yeah yeah, I obviously, you know, don't have any level of detail about what yeah. they're going through, but just think about like, you know, I'm, one of the when we were talking about something like this for Rumbleverse, like the, the the calculus was like, okay, we have budget for X people, right? Yeah, and if the game is live, we need Y people just to keep it live and fix mm-hmm. bugs every day and push the content and do whatever. So then we have X minus Y people left to fix problems, right? Right, and that would take Z months. It's like, okay, well, you can do the math on that and figure out if it makes sense or not, you know? Right. So I think it's just, a, it, it turns into a, you know, a budget and a headcount and a development bandwidth problem at that point, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, I I thought I will say this. I think if you really love Rumble Versus, or sorry, Rumble Versus, <laughs> if you love, if you, if you, I just did it myself. If you love multiverses and you're, you're worried about it, I, I think like, this tells me they think they can fix what's wrong. Right. Right. Like, I, I think if they didn't think they could fix what's wrong, they wouldn't do this. Right. right? They would probably and, just be shutting 
they'd, they'd probably just be closing down at this point. Yeah. Well, I, you know, may, maybe you, or, something or just whatever, keep it limping along. I, I don't know what they yeah. do. Well, like, yeah. I, a player counts kind of like, you know, not that, you know, we don't really have insight into the console side of things, but, you know, looking at the Steam player counts, you're like, this is not yeah. where it needs to be. But yeah. If you're a fan of multiverses, I think you should take some heart in the fact that this is, they probably think they could fix what's what they, what they view is wrong with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, that that should give you some some good vibes, hopefully. Yeah. Um, in other kind of shutdown news, the Wii U and 3DS eShops closed down yesterday. Uh, this is, you know, I, I like I, I this shouldn't happen at the same time. I don't know that I was ever surprised by the idea of Nintendo shutting down some of the shops on these consoles, they removed support to use credit cards on them a while ago, which, you know, probably helped them with some security risk and, and some other kind of exposure there, I would guess. But, you know, they're letting people redownload the games that they already purchased. And they're saying that that'll be happening uh, for the foreseeable future is the, the verbiage that they have, have given out. But, you know, there's something like a thousand games now that are no longer available in, any other format. Um, how do you know, how do you feel about it? Like, this seems like something where I, I am a little bit up in arms about it. I think there are people that are more up in arms about it than even I am from like a preservation perspective. At the same time, I think I look at like the business reality end of it and go like, no one was buying this stuff. Like would they, if, if these games were still selling, Nintendo would probably have found a way to keep it up and running. Yeah. But it's not like this is generating meaningful revenue for the developers or anyone involved, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a strong personal opinion on this. Like, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, like, I, I really, um, like, I'm glad people out there care about game preservation, so I don't have to, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, like you know, the history of this industry is important, and remembering the work everyone's did is important. But if I'm being completely honest, it's just not it's not something that takes up a lot of my mental state. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, I, I know that about, yeah, I knew as I was writing yeah. this down, I, I, yeah. I've, we, <laughs> we talked a little bit about it before, uh, where you're, you're an ever forward kind of guy. Yeah. And it's just, you know, for, I, I, I guess this is just part of me that is as the challenges of running a business mm-hmm. is I'm, there's never going to be any part of me that can just think about the consumer experience, you know, Sure. Like, I'm, I'm always going to be partially thinking about like, oh, what are the, yeah, well, I wonder what this alleviates for Nintendo or whatever, you know? Right. And sure. so it's just it, that plus my general not super personally dialed into this thing makes it kind of like a, yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Iron Galaxies has worked, uh, has worked on, you know, situations where you've, you know, hey, we're, we're working on bringing what, like Final Fight or, or, um, you know, the Street Fighter Third Strike and, sure. and some of those games that, like, you could yeah. look at and go, like, these are old-ass games. They're not widely available in other forms, and you're kind of bringing them back and, in a sense, preserving them with with new SKUs or, or whatever. Do you yeah, think that it's, that's... Not strictly, it's not strictly speaking game preservation, yeah. but... Right, right, right. Um, but in, in, in some terms, you, you know, you have kind of worked on making games that have become difficult to play available again, in some cases, with online support and... Yeah, for and sure. Some of that. Yeah. Do you think that that's? I mean, that stuff still happens. It, it feels like in, in a lot of ways that all the big games got remade, and and maybe they'll go away again. And you know, well, there's, it's. I guess we're at a point now where there aren't, there isn't necessarily 
an easy way to play third strike online with rollback and, and everything all over again. But do you think that? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 I guess like, I don't, um, when we're thinking about stuff like that, we're not thinking about like, like whenever we're doing something like third strike, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. if you love third strike, what do you care about? You know, there's right. not like a bigger context for the decisions we make than that. Yeah. And so, right. um, in terms of like, you know, like, like I would love still, like, I think like to, uh, bring all that stuff that we did for Capcom to PC and steam. Like mm-hmm. I would, I would love to do that to this day. Like that, would, I think that could one be profitable and, and two make a lot of sense. And, th- and then yeah. you wouldn't have to worry about this, but you know, at the end of the day, that that's one of the things that's, um, you just have to kind of learn to live with when you're in third-party independent developers, you're right. often working on things you're not in control of, right? And yeah, definitely, get, yeah. yeah. And so um, maybe just for survival, I've turned that part of my brain off. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe you could bring it to the arcade terminals inside of Street Fighter Six. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, 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 at this point, they might want to use the other version they did for it. Street Fighter Three is weird with the, everything that happened with that. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Um, this game leaked out a couple of different ways, uh, and it's been finally announced. Lego 2K Drive, kind of a clunky name in my view, throwing the brands up in the middle like that. But uh, Visual Concepts is going to be developing this, and it uh, is being described in the early hands-on previews by outlets such as Eurogamer as kind of a mix of Forza Horizon and Mario Kart uh, this is out May 19th. This was the only thing about this that I wanted to know was, can I build a car from scratch? And it sounds like you can. That has always oh, been, cool. yeah, that, that, that has always been my thing with, with any, all this Lego stuff. And even just the way Legos are popular these days is people buying sets and building them according to instructions. Feels like square dancing to me. Like, you know, do you dance to listen to someone tell you how to fucking dance or do right. you, you know, do you want to fucking, you know, jazz it up a little bit? So I, you know, like that's the banjo kazooie nuts and bolts fan in me is like, hell yeah, I yeah. will, I will build the worst looking car. I will build the <laughs> most pornographic car I could build yeah. and, uh, and, and put it out there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I think there's, I'm excited. There just are not a lot of driving games anymore. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about it, but that's true. Uh, there's not a lot of driving stuff and like, yeah. it's, I mean, there's the hardcore, there's the forces and there's, yeah. uh, but that, you know, EA's got a need for speed that they just put out like, you know, last year where they took a couple of years off, but like, you know, Ridge racer yeah. is gone. It, it used to feel like that was like a good man. middle of the road game of just like, fuck it, man. We, yeah. We're putting out a blur is coming out or split second yeah. or, you know, like we just had a, like all, a lot of different types That's of it. games. F's in the chat for Ridge Racer, please. Yeah, like, let's. I I remember when that was like, that was like a technical showpiece game. Yeah, like, like every oh Sony's got new hardware. It's gonna have a Ridge Racer. It's like, gonna look how, amazing. Yeah, remember like, the, the first one? The headlights popped up when you went in the tunnel. It's like oh my god, oh, yeah. it yeah. moves, man. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and these tires are getting more round every year. And and the Jogcon. Yeah, oh. I I am I. I keep wanting to go back and actually play Ridge Racer Type 4, and I have a JogCon out there somewhere in the garage. Uh, but every time I've gone back to it, it's like, this is a, like stylistically a beautiful game, but kind of hard to go back to 
to some of that stuff. I remember even when the Vita was coming out, they had a weird Ridge Racer based tech demo that they did finally put out, but it wasn't even like you didn't even drive. It was just like, look at this car. And if you hold down these buttons, it makes dubstep noises and flashing lights. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing. Like they had all the launch lineup for the Vita and everything else, you know, at their booth at E3. But like the one thing I was like, holy shit, like like messing with you know the yeah. the Ridge Racer tech demo. I missed that one. I missed that one. I'll be honest yeah. bit. Yeah. Um they eventually did put out, I think, like a free to play Ridge Racer on Vita that was not it's, it's like at some point they just decided they didn't want to make new tracks. So they're like, Hey, we only make one of these per console, so guess what? We can just take the same tracks, yeah, like gussy them up a little bit and uh and and put them back out there. And it kind of yeah. I don't know. I lost a little bit along the way. Um, that's not the only build-your-own-vehicle news uh, this week. This morning, uh, Nintendo released a new chunk of gameplay for The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, did you manage to see this this morning? It was like a 10-minute no, video. I, yeah. I, I don't watch any new stuff. It's just like I... When I kind of... If it's something I want to play especially, I just don't watch it so i am increasingly yeah. with you which is not great yeah. if you want to have a, 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 a podcast. discourse yeah yeah <laughs> but i but yeah. i definitely i reach a point especially with like hey we've put out the ninth trailer for this game like i don't care i, I don't i don't need yeah. you don't need to do it stop it yeah uh, you've already sold me on the game I don't, i'm not going to go watch it but yeah I, the, I was we were talking about something earlier in this conversation i was actually thinking literally this thought I'm, i was wondering like is that a function of where I'm at in my gaming career and just the fact I'm in the industry and I kind of know if I want to play a game based on just developer alone or right. if, or, you know, if I was 13 year old scumbag, Dave Lang, if I would, mm-hmm. if I'd be like, no more trailers. I, I, I don't know how, like, I'm curious about that. I think, yeah, I, I, I think part of it is, is like, I have become more patient with stuff and, and I just, I know, well, I think the other thing is like delays and everything else and schedule changes. Like there's a part of me that is anytime they show a game off or try to commit to anything that isn't a full on day and date, like it's coming out Q4, like bullshit. No, yeah, it's yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's hard to even want to follow all of that stuff until the game's right around the corner. Like I, I kind of like it was, it's the, the way the last and, and more, I don't know. It's, it's not necessarily a trend, but like, when you think about how most Mortal Kombat games got announced to when they shipped, it was this very long process. And then that last one they put out was a much tighter turnaround with way less work up to release way fewer. Like here's our trailer. We have to do a weekly trailer with a guess what guys, Johnny cage is in this one. You're like, Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Like Tekken's doing that right now. And who knows when that game's even coming out, but it feels right. like one, one trailer a week, two trailers a week come out. It's like, guess what guys? We're putting Jack in this one. Yeah. And I watch it and go like, that's sick. Like Jack looks fucking that awesome. Jack trailer was amazing. Yeah. But like, also I have, you, you don't need to show me anything else about Tekken eight for me to know that like the day Tekken eight comes out, I will be playing Tekken eight. Right. Like, you know, from a, from a selling the game perspective, I'm like, I, whatever, man, you don't need to tell me anything about yeah, characters yeah, that yeah. are or not in it. I'm on, I'm, I'm on yeah. board. Yeah, um, I, 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 I did. Jack was the one. Cause I used to, I will watch, fighting game trailers because mm-hmm. like i don't care about spoilers or whatever right and, like, yeah i don't you know it's so, like oh, i wonder what they did to jack it's like yeah jack looks like he rips that looks fun yeah, yeah. they gave him a yeah. sick rail gun for his super and yeah. that looks fucking cool and yeah 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 man um 
the other so yeah so yes this this 10 minutes of tears of the kingdom footage got out there and i i kind of like how they're really not saying much about the state of the world and the characters like there's not a lot of story stuff that they've put out so far and that either means there's not much to show or that they've done some really wild stuff but either way this whole trailer was focused on more mechanics and like, yeah, it, it was just like, hey, here's some new abilities we put in the game. Now you can take uh, weapons and you can take items and fuse them to weapons. So if you okay. find a stick and you find a rock, you can use your magic glove to make them connect. And then you got a rock at the end of a stick. And guess what? That's more effective and doesn't break as easily. Great. Or, hey, what? Yeah. Hey, yeah. what if you took a fucking door and attached it to the end of a stick? When you wave it, it creates wind and knocks people back. Love it. Or, you know, hey, what, what if you took a long-ass pitchfork and put it at the end of a long-ass stick? I bet that'd be an even longer-ass stick with spikes on the end, <laughs> wouldn't it? And and so the whole thing was focused on them just showing that that is the game now. They're like, hey, yeah. and by the way, do you want to build a raft? Connect some logs and get out and put it on the water and go. Like, yeah. just do it, man. And, and so it just ends up almost having this, like... Minecraft or you know like Minecraft's yeah. a bad example but like this this that, that the creativity yeah, more, more way more sandboxy stuff, yeah. way yeah. more because that was the thing like looking at the way people played that last Zelda game in a way that was not at all how I played it where they're like did you know if you freeze this thing and then hit it 22 times yeah and then do this it'll rocket up in the air and you can skip over and, and just like all the creativity with that tool set it really feels like they watched all that and said well let's just give them a bunch of weird tools and they're crazy one of them is like hey um this one's called ascend and if you're standing somewhere and there's a ceiling above you and you could theoretically be standing on top of that ceiling if you use this you will just warp through any distance of rock or you, know, you pop out of a cage and you'll just like crawl out of the ground like it was water up above and you look at it and go like that's insane like what what yeah. but it's just a bunch of cool, weird tools. Awesome. Um, and yeah. and that's literally all they showed. And it's just like, okay, no, yeah, awesome. Yeah, you you and I had slightly different opinions on the last Zelda game. Yeah, um, like I, I I adored that game uh, very very much, and uh, I'm digging what I'm hearing out of you on this trailer. Like, give me more sandbox stuff to do. Give me more stuff to dick around with. And I'm not, you know, mostly if nothing else, I'll, there'll be a bunch of sick YouTube videos that come out of it. Right. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's that. What else? There's, um, there's a time you, you can rewind time on a per object basis. So if a, the, oh, the example okay. they show is, Hey, this rock fell out of the sky and look up there. There's a bunch of islands up there. It'd be cool if you could find a way up there. Anyway, stand on the rock and then rewind it. Yeah. And then it's just, you just riding this rock up into the sky. Yeah. Um, and so yep. between that and then like, hey, by the way, all the vehicles in the last trailer, none of those are in the game. You can just make them. So again, a very Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts-like approach. Yeah, Good to see its influence yeah. finally being felt by this godforsaken <laughs> industry. Um, Yeah, it, it, it's a bunch of really neat stuff that I I wonder, yeah, like you said, you know, as, as someone who, who you know, I, I, I thought that first game was cool, but didn't necessarily get all that much out of it. Like, I think my favorite part about it was the stuff that they haven't really shown any of is like the shrines. Like, Hey, yeah. go in here and there's a cool puzzle thing to do. Like if they just made a game that was a bunch of cool puzzle things to do, that would have yeah. been awesome too. But I, I look at this and go, yeah, bare minimum. It'll be another series of insane videos of people exploiting that tool set to do really wild things. And, uh, uh so I, I, that's a great example of like, 
like I just completely trust them to do the right thing yeah. in that game. Like, yeah. you know, it's just like there's, there's no – you can tell me anything, and even if it doesn't make sense to me right here, right now, I'd be like, I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah. Okay, well, here – you can attach things to arrows now, okay. and that will give the arrow properties. The, the example they showed was you get eyeballs as drops from other enemies – if you put an eyeball on an arrow, it becomes a, a, a seeking. It, it'll it'll seek out targets and hit them. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. just like it's almost like this scribble knots thing of just like yeah. I don't know. We put all this language in here with all these items, and and you'll put them together in weird ways, and maybe you'll break a sequence and feel like the smartest person alive. Uh, but that's cool. I, yeah, it's it's a bunch of really neat stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm pumped now. Yeah. Now, now I wouldn't watch it normally, but I'm going to watch the trailer. Yeah, so. you should you should give it a look. It, it's it's just like a bunch of it's it's that's all it is. It's a series of fascinating gameplay sequences using all these new tools. No part of it is just like, and here's the princesses. You know, like there's nothing that's like here's the story. There's nothing about the state right. of the world. It's just yeah, this enemy's got a fucking door, and they're coming at you with it. What the fuck are you going to do about it? Uh, and and it's it's pretty neat. Um. Yeah, and let's see. That that's about it for news. I, you know, Microsoft is ending its uh prom- its Game Pass promotion for the longest time. You could just sign up for Game Pass for a dollar, and then people were using weird things about like, well, if you buy three years of Xbox Live Gold and then spend a dollar, it'll all convert to Game Pass at this. And you know, there's a bunch of weird exploits for getting long time Game Pass subscriptions. Uh, that, that will probably go away alongside this. Um, yeah. they, they gave a statement to The Verge and said, we have stopped our previous introductory offer for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and PC Game Pass, and we are evaluating different marketing promotions for new members in the future. Seems like I, I'm kind of surprised that this dollar thing lasted as, as long as it did. It feels like something that would be like the first 90 days or something. Yeah, I, I all I know about Game Pass my, is when they announced the Ultimate, I signed up for it at E3. Yeah, but they announced it, and I haven't looked back. That's all I know about Game Pass. Yeah, that's that's pretty yeah. much where where I was at with it as well. It's such um, a good deal. It's stupid. Yeah. Do you have any? Like, you, you you know, there's a lot of. I I don't know that I see a lot of too many developers kind of publicly doing this, but it's something that I think the press and and people out there like. There's just been a lot of hand wringing where there's this situation where it's like this deal feels too good. At some point, it's going to ruin video games or. Or it's going to go way up and like what's you know there's been this kind of constant like waiting for a shoe to drop. Do you ha- do you feel any of that, or are you just like whatever, man? Like this is. Um, I th- I think. So I think the shoe to drop for it. And this is, again not based on any facts. This is yeah, just yeah. my 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 just. I just don't know if there's that much. Like. The, with everyone going to something like this, like there's yeah. just not that much content out there, and it's you know like, like they're going to burn through the content faster than they can replenish it, and like eventually there'll be the run on developers to buy, and then like what like what are you gonna like <laughs> that that like yeah it's like the value of Game Pass like they seem hell bent on increasing the value every single year with the yeah. Riot stuff last like Riot stuff's amazing in there right yeah. like and so. Um, but eventually, man, what do you do when you when you start to run thin at some point? And so, you've made all the deals. Everyone already has all the League of Legends right. characters. You've right. you, there's you know you've, you've either acquired the developers or you've gone and yeah, like you said, you know, hey, we this you you've put a game on Game Pass. It's it's gone off of Game Pass. Do you wait two years and put it back on? Yeah, 
you know I, 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 I think that's a challenge that all this stuff is going to face is like the the value prop for the consumer the consumers have gotten spoiled by this value prop mm-hmm. and if they can't keep it going like what what does that do to the core business i'd be my that'd be my concern if i was them but again it's not based on any data i don't know what they know so maybe they're... right yeah yeah cool um yeah that that's been it's 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 been interesting because i i you know, Microsoft has already been very, always been very much out there saying like, no, like we've we've had, and there's always a couple of developers that'll be like, hey, like smaller smaller devs in some cases that'll be like, Game Pass has been amazing for us because you know it'll yeah. solve a discoverability problem, it'll put it in front of all those subscribers and say like, hey, check this out, you maybe never would have otherwise, and then in some cases that'll lead to word of mouth that leads to theoretically sales on Steam or PlayStation right. or other platforms or as just a bunch of weird. It's, this it's a, business it's, has always it's, been strange. It's it's even weirder now. Yeah, it's it's like everything else, right? It's like it's like you know, there's two ways. To look. There's a if you look at it like, oh, this is going to be bad. But but if you look at if you try to like, it's just another possible path for success for a developer. You know, right? And whether or not it's the right path for you and your game is for you to decide. You know. Yeah. But there's not there's enough success stories out there where it's you know it's it's like. You can't say it's not possible. You just have to determine if it's right for you and your game. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's see. I think that's going to just about do it for news. Um, you got time to hang out for some emails or you got you to gotta split? I, I don't want to. I should probably split and do, yeah. some, do some actual stuff today. Do some actual stuff. All right. But it's been a pleasure. I and a figured as, as much. Always. Yes. And uh, yes, we'll look forward to. Um, Rumble verse two coming out exclusively on phones from Netflix. No, what? what is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, we're we're trying our best to make that thing come back in some shape or form, right? Awesome. And so yeah. Um, and then what? I, I mean, is there anything else that you're actively? You said that Last of Us just shipped, and you you guys we, helped out yeah, a little yeah, bit. Helped out, helped Naughty Dog just a wee bit on that. Yeah, one, just a wee bit. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. Those the naughty dog rocks are super. Any, anything else announced that's in, in the works that you want to, you know, you do, anything you want to plug, man? No, Is there man a, not right now. Just, I want to plug good vibes, man. Everyone just be chill to each other and be nice to be nice to some rando today. That's what right I want to plug. All right. Today. Be nice to, I'll, I'll go out and tell dirty Mike. He's doing a fantastic job. All right. All right. This is also revealed to me that I miss you, Jeff. Yeah. We, we need to figure something out. It was so, good to see you. Yeah. In LA, what was like two year two years ago? Yeah, but then there's a room, we're in a room with like ten thousand people. And it's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It was like a like a, we had half yeah. a conversation, and yeah. and that was it. I I miss packs more than anything else yeah. for this stuff. It was always very low key for me. It was always super fun to like cook up weird schemes where you got you know uh, broke bottles broken over your head. Yeah, and yeah, uh, it's just, I mean whatever whatever. Uh, I actually, what I miss more than anything else is just like when everything's done, just hanging out in the hotel room with the, with the boys. Yep. You know, that's the shit I miss more than anything else, but definitely that yeah. is, uh, that is where I'm at. I am at as well. Well, uh, maybe you'll, Hey, maybe you'll make it out here for E3. Probably, probably not. Yeah, probably we'll probably not. Yeah. All right. If, if, he, if E3 is happening, I will be there. All right. That's the you and, I promise. You and yeah. Eve Gimo. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Take care. Right. Dave Lang. Doki doki. Bye. Till next time. time. See ya. All right. Now I'm here all by myself in this weird different room. We're trying different, you know, there's, we're using uh, to do the guest stuff. 
this is what I use to record uh, Game Boys to Men with Glenn. And um, it's been more stable. The first, the handful of episodes of that, we recorded over Discord. And Glenn would always disconnect two or three times over the course of um, of, a, of a broadcast. So we ended up moving to this external tool that is fine. Um, it is currently only 720p uh, because they charge more for 1080p. And so I was like, well, you know, I don't know. For talking head stuff, maybe the 720p will be all right. I wasn't 100% sold on the, on it uh, anyway, but... But yeah, that's yeah, that's been part of me over these last handful of months, like kicking the tires on just like how to do more guest stuff. And so, thank you so much for Dave Lang for for to coming for coming on the show. We've been talking about it for a, a very long time, uh, and finally, uh, I got my shit together on my end to to finally go like, hey, what you want to really actually you want to really actually do this? Um, so that's awesome. I yeah, I I miss Dave. I. I miss Dave right now, and I just got finished talking to him for two hours, man. It's yeah, it's it's been weird, you know, getting separated from all of the industry and and stuff. I, I was definitely like last week between PAX East and GDC, I definitely was like looking at social media and just being like, oh man, everyone's there doing stuff. It'd be cool to do that, but it's just not the right time for for me to to get out there and then also the other thing that happened is immediately following all of that was everyone going like i got covid again and so <laughs> yeah i don't know it's a uh, it's still a weird time and with you know young kids at home and, and everything else like uh it's, it's hard for me to to travel but um that said, I am heading out uh, in a in a little bit here um, over the next. Well, I'll, I'll leave it non-specific. Over the next couple of weeks here, I am going to go see an unreleased video game in person, and I'm very excited to to do that. That'll be a pretty cool thing to do. Um, and um, yeah, so I don't know. It's like parts of the industry are kind of like snapping back into place, but everyone has to figure out what that means and. Um, I know PAX had a, a mask policy and some of that going on to try to mitigate some of that, but um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's still such a weird thing, and I just you know I I've been so kind of off in my own world here, um, getting things off the ground and and figuring out a bunch of other stuff <laughs> that you know I just haven't I haven't talked to anybody um in a in a very long time, and so it's uh fantastic to talk to dave lang anytime you get to spend i recommend it if you if you can swing it if you can spend time with dave lang i recommend you do it he's a he's a hell of a guy hell of a guy um let's see what else there we've got some emails here that have been uh piling up uh podcast at guard.bike is the email address you can send them into and uh and yeah we will uh i will i will take them and read them and we will talk about them let's see here uh let me get them lined up here properly. I'm going to, well, hmm. I'm going to move this over here to this other window so that I can still sort of see chat. And, uh, is Dave laying on cameo? I don't believe <laughs> I can. So I can actually, I can do, is Dave laying on cameo? No, I don't. I don't believe he is. Um, I don't believe he is. That'd be, 
That'd be solid. I think that's that. That'd be funny. Um, Ben in Leeds writes in and says, I've got the Crash Bandicoot masks uh, tattooed on my wrists, and they have had quite literally 50 times more compliments than any other non-video game tattoo on my body, most of which took considerably more effort and expense. Uh, And what I'm saying about video game tattoos is don't get one if you don't want strangers constantly telling you, dude, I played that game when I was a kid too. It gets old. Yeah. Uh... I don't, yeah, we've been talking about tattoos, uh, video game tattoos here and there lately. It's it's I I just can't think of a what you know what what tattoo would you get? I think the I've had a couple of times over the years where I've been like I like this thing, and I, I've I've said it before that like I I came close a couple of times over the years. Like I should get the Decepticon logo tattooed on myself, and and then those Michael Bay movies came out. And I was like, oh, I, I don't want to be associated with any of that stuff. Uh, and so I, you know, didn't get them. Uh, and that's always the problem with getting any kind of someone else's stuff tattooed on you, right? Like, you never know when that thing is going to suddenly suck. Um. And and so that that's uh yeah I don't know that that's a that's a tricky one the Crash Bandicoot I mean that, that's cool the little the little masks like that's a good that's a pretty good one I guess I don't know if you like that thing enough but yeah having to it's the reason I uh, it it is the reason why I own a Montreal Expos hat which I uh, I purchased mine before I knew Dave and I think it was an early thing about like yeah this guy I don't I never I don't know that I ever. Uh, I don't know that we ever t- discussed it ever, but I I bought a Montreal Expos hat because I like baseball, but I don't want to talk to you about last night's game. I never want to talk to you about like uh, how a team is doing this season or um, or how this person, you know, like, oh, yeah, about last night, this is blah, blah. Um, and so having a hat for a team that no longer exists is a great way to do that. Uh, and you occasionally get people going like, oh, hell yeah, Expos or whatever. And, like, and then I'm just like, yeah, man, Tim Raines. I love that dude. Uh, because when I collected baseball cards uh, back when I was a little kid, Tim Raines was playing for the Expos. <laughs> and uh, and so that was always that was always my reasoning behind that. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I uh, it, it turned up. We were talking about it a couple of weeks ago when um, footage from. Space World 2000 of me wearing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey surfaced. Um, and people would, you know, I, I wore it because I was just in a big jersey phase anyway. And so, I, you know, like, yeah, I, I had like a throwback expose. It was, it was like the throwback jersey time, you know. I had my throwback Astros jersey and all this other stuff. And the problem you would have with that is like, again, it's a cool jersey, but I don't want to talk to you about the Astros. I don't want to be like, yeah, man, Biggio is, uh, this, I, this is probably after Craig Biggio stopped playing for the Astros, honestly, but I, I don't remember. But, um, but the Bucks Jersey, you know, especially during, obviously during football season, people will be like, Oh, did you see the game? Oh yeah. That, and I, and you know, you're checking out groceries or something. Someone's trying to talk to you about something that happened yesterday. And you're just like, yeah, man, hell yeah. This would happen to me. Um, I had a, 
a Wu-Tang t-shirt, but Wu-Tang was written in the New York Giants font, like the football team. And so that would even happen where I was like wearing this thing and going like, I don't know, it's a Wu-Tang shirt, whatever. And people would try to talk to me about like the New York Giants. And I was like, and I'm like, what do you, because I didn't even realize like I was wearing anything like I knew, but like, you, you don't, you're not in that mentality. Um, and so someone's like coming to you and, and, and trying to talk to you about the, and you're like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, you wear the shirt. I'm like, this shirt says Wu-Tang, my friend. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. Like, I am well aware that it is also the font of a football team, but that does not mean I like the football team. If you would like to talk to me about you God or Master Killer or perhaps Wu-Tang Shaolin style for the PlayStation 1, then we can have that conversation. But brother, I do not want to speak to you about the New York Giants. Um, it's the problem with sports jerseys. It's a lot of fun design work. It's why I bought World Baseball Classic jerseys, though. Some of those are a little harder to wear these days. Not a lot of people, even then, and there's a lot of footage of me out there wearing it, but these days, my China jersey <laughs> is, is, people are, uh, I don't know, it's it's wild out there. This, this, you know, all the, we've got to ban TikTok because of China. Um, I feel like there's like parts of the nation now that if I wore a, a, that jersey in it, people will try to jump me or something. I think I was stealing their Wi-Fi. Like if I was in Congress, for example, and then what were that? People are like, you're, are you stealing my internet? That has been embarrassing. That happens every five years or something, right? Where there's like some technology oriented inquiry on Capitol Hill and every clip out of it is the most embarrassing thing on the planet. Um, where you've just got these people that are just like, well, the guy with the, the, on the, this most recent batch with the TikTok stuff is this guy going like, well, are you, you're, are you, you are tracking how pupils get dilated and are you using these filters or you are, you are figuring out when pupils get dilated and that is your algorithm is based on. And like all of this fucking cuckoo shit that he probably read on some Facebook group. Um, what a, what a disaster. What an, just a, a bonkers chunk of time of, of that, like watching the, the TikTok guy get grilled by absolute fucking idiots. Uh, I, and I, I'll tell you, there are probably legitimate questions to be asking TikTok about data and security and all of those sorts of things. Like I, there are parts of it that I'm like, yeah, you know, Hey, look into it, make sure it's on the up and up. Also, Maybe do that with Facebook. How about while we're at it, while we're at it, I think Facebook might also be doing the same thing, but because they don't have this, oh, it's China, oh, it's China. Um, that's just okay. Right? Like, why not go through all of, yeah, no, like a, a more scrutinous view of big technology. Sure. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a good idea. Figuring out what what sort of data, data privacy we we want to have, and the answer is the government doesn't. Oh, well, whatever. The government doesn't want any. They want to see your shit. That's all. Uh, sorry. What are we, what were we talking about anyway? Mike Allstott, number forty, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um. Yeah. Uh. Randy in Portland writes in and says, "All I know about the ESA is that they're a big part of planning E three." 
since a lot of the big names are continually dropping out of E3, do you think the ESA will eventually give up on it? And why will the ESA even need to exist after that happens? So the ESA um, is a lobbying organization. And they lobby on behalf of the video game industry. And so whenever any government around the world, um, well, I guess they, I guess they really just focus on the U.S., right? I don't know if they actually do worldwide stuff. Anyway, whenever the government says things like, um, hey, this game, uh, the, the, these, these, uh, these FIFA Ultimate Team packs seem like gambling and they seem predatory in nature and uh, I'm worried about the impact they are having on our children. Uh, the video game industry pays the ESA to go and say, nah, as loud as they possibly can. Um, and so the, whenever, um, whenever let's say, uh, preservation efforts wants to try to preserve the Nintendo eShop before it gets taken offline in a legal way so that researchers can, can go ahead and get access to that material and use that material. The ESA is there to say, nah, no, absolutely not. They should definitely not be able to do that. That's piracy. And they are there to take the most archaic hardline stances on those topics imaginable to, in order to protect the status quo of the video game industry. That is the, what the ESA actually does. E, the E3 has been a very big profit center for them. And so that's my understanding of it is that if you are a company and you want to get into um, making a lot of money, you should figure out a trade show uh, and then sell a bunch of booth space for an insane amount of money. And uh, that is something that the ESA has been able to do for years and years and years. And the member companies, of course, pay a fee to be represented and so on and so forth. And so um, I believe the video game industry does need representation uh, in, a, in a lobbying way. It's a big enough business. This is, this is just how things go. While you could probably sway me on the idea that no one should be able to lobby anyone for anything ever. Uh, in the world we are currently in where that is simply not reality, the video game industry should have representation. Um, because it also applies when, you know, when the government gets, uh, these ideas about like, well, we've got to censor this stuff. Kids are seeing these, these, these vampires killed these women in this video game. And, and the scorpion has a skull under his mask and he murdered, he's murdering people and kids are murdering people. Um, the ESA is also there to say, no, this is art. This is, you know, like the, the lobbying organization stuff kind of cuts both ways. Right. Um, but the, you know, the, the loot box stuff has been something that I think they've been primarily, um, known for, you know, in a more modern context. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you know, if E3 goes away, the ESA will still need to exist because there'll need to be something. Um, you know, maybe it's not the ESA, maybe another organization rises up and, you know, but, but that's a different, uh, that's a different conversation. I think there's, there's definitely been, I, I don't know what the current stance is or how the video game industry really views the ESA these days, but I know a handful of years ago, there was a real frustration on the part of the industry because the ESA didn't, it didn't feel like the ESA was lobbying effectively. 
and that they were not uh, intelligent responders to some of these government inquiries and and some of that. So you know, there's been leadership changes over the years and, and whatever else. But um, but that is my understanding. That is generally what the ESA is there for: is to represent the video game industry in its lobbying efforts in a more unified industry-wide way. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I think that'll continue just, you know, if you just with the reality of lobbyists and lawyers and, and everything else that is fucking up the goddamn government, um, you know, th- this is probably stuff that will, will probably need to exist in, in, in one way or the other regardless of of what happens to e3 i would be very interested to see what ends up happening to e3 um in the wake of today's news around ubisoft um not uh, not being a part of the show because i feel like who is confirmed for e3 now it's it's a very it's a very small list and and even if you just look at like well who's left in the industry if we've got Sony, Microsoft, I don't think Sony has said anything one way or the other, but, um, but that's, you know, um, presumed based on Sony's kind of more recent, uh, uh, non-appearance at, at E3. Um, and so, yeah, who, who ends up showing up to this thing? Who ends up um, making it happen? You know, the, the there was that story that Video Games Chronicle had not that long ago saying that, like, Konami was going to try to have a big presence there or something. And, you know, Konami can rent out a stage with a camera just as easily as anybody else. So, you know, I don't know that they necessarily need to go beyond that show floor. I guess I, I'm thinking, like, does this show get canceled again? Does E3 end up, um, do they end up walking away from it? And how much money would they lose? Because at this point, the ESA is not going to get their money back from the LA Convention Center, right? Uh, that deposit is smoked. So, um, that's a, a really kind of wild scenario the the very idea that like what if E3 didn't happen what if we got into the month of April and they decided to pull the plug on E3 um uh i and i don't know which companies are 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 kind of yeah like devolver's not going you know devolver was always across the street anyway right so that you know it's like there you have these companies that were never really officially part of the show anyway they're like we're not going to E3 it's like yeah, of course um and they can still make announcements they can still do whatever they want and I think that's almost worse in some ways in terms of when we talk about the viability of the ESA or the viability of E3, the number of companies that are saying, and Ubisoft being the latest one, uh, that are saying, we will not be at E3 the show, but we'll be in Los Angeles with a live broadcast for you. Like, oh, okay. So like you're still doing your press, you know, Ubisoft will still do their press conference in some way, shape or form. And so the news will still get out there, but they're not going to go staff a booth. They're not going to go go put a booth on the floor. They're not going to build a booth. They're not going to do any of that stuff. Um, that's almost the worst one. You know, you got Microsoft and and you know some of the other companies that were like, "Hey, you know, we're we're going to do something different." Um, but we're never announced as being part of the show. 
that's kind of one thing. Like, that's not great. That's not a great look for the ESA. It's not a great look for that show. But to have it then be like, oh, this is one of the companies that said they would be there. And in fact, one of the only companies that uh, that kind of went on the record saying yes, now turning around and saying no, like that's that's got to be, that's a rough one, man. I don't even know what you do. Uh, like, what is that show? Who goes? And why? What are they hoping to accomplish by being a part of E3? Who are they hoping to reach? And will those people be there? Because now, you know, you see a lot of people freelance. You know, I, I live close by, right? So it's like, for me, it's like a whatever. For me, it's, um, you know, if there's something to go to, I'll, I'm, I would like to go to it. Um, but you've got people that are in other countries. You've got people that are, you know, making plans about like, oh, here's the, you know, because by, by March, by April here, You've already probably had uh, multiple meetings about here's the plan for E3. We're going to do this. We got this meeting room, you know, like whatever you're, you're doing. And now you're like, what are we going to do when we get there? You're like, oh, well, there'll be plenty of stuff to cover. Just none of it's part of actual E3. It's really, like I was saying earlier, at a time when no one has the, when, when media companies don't have the budget to spend, you know, they've all been laying people off. You know, like that's a, they've, they've all been not, you know, I don't get the impression that any of them are in a great place. And so to get them to go and lay out a bunch of travel budget and everything else, and then have it blow up in their face on, on some of this stuff, um, it's, uh, troubling. It's troubling. And if I were in a position where I was far away, and I had to make a bunch of advanced travel plans around um, going to this show or not. This would probably, well, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. There's still enough going on in town around that time that there's probably still enough to see but it becomes a much dicier proposal overall. I think it's a, it's a really, it's an almost unprecedented situation, but also, uh, you know, E3 has been in such a weird space for so long. It's really hard. Uh, Jackson, Massachusetts writes and says that new EA sports PGA tour game is coming out in a couple of weeks. The base game is $70 and for another $15, you can get the deluxe edition which includes three-day early access, a few exclusive in-game items, an XP bundle for your creative character, and Madden NFL 23. Just like a copy of Madden. That's honestly not bad as far as crappy add-on incentives go, but I just found that hilarious. I guess my question is, should every EA game come bundled with last year's Madden? (laughs) Um... Yeah, why not? I mean, you know, the football season's over. And so the value of Madden, I'm sure that there's some metric that they're just like, as soon as the Super Bowl happens, you know, obviously Madden sales are going to spike early on. And, you know, over the course of the football season, you'll get some people that are like, I'm excited about football. I'm going to go fucking buy Madden. Fuck yeah. But as soon as that season's over, no one's going like, ah, yeah, I got to get out there and get that Madden. Unless they're like shopping at a discount or whatever. And in which case, like, yeah. Buy the golf game, get Madden, why not? Um, And so I I imagine it's just a case of like 
Madden NFL 23 has done all it's going to do sales-wise. And um, if they give out more copies, maybe they sell some more Ultimate Team packs or something, right? Um, but, yeah, they should definitely, yeah, there should be, that should be like whatever, the, what's the baseline currency for, for Counter-Strike skins? It's like some knife skin, right? And everything is equivalent to like, this skin is worth 20 of these nice knife skins. Like that's the the conversion currency or, or whatever it is. Copies of last year's Madden should become the, the currency for, uh, for other games. Now it's like $70, man, that's 20 copies of last year's Madden <laughs> or whatever it is. Uh, that's weird. That's a weird, you know, Credit to EA for shaking things up and trying to find inventive new ways to build bundles, I guess, right? Like, why not? Why not? Like I said, it's, it's you know, what are copies of Ma- of last year's Madden worth right now anyway? Like, probably like zero, again, because they've sold all they're going to sell. Like, you know, the, the, the person who's the actual football fan bought that game a while ago and, and, and whatever. So why not run weird experiments with last year's Madden? Uh, let's see here. Uh, Jorge writes in and says, uh, listen to your show this week and have some notes for you from your discussion about how some people still think we need to convince people games are big. I work at a video game marketing agency and here are some details from our experiences. Um, and provided some some background. Apparently, this company worked worked on the Mortal Kombat skateboard that they sold at that Mortal Kombat reveal event that I went to, which is excellent work. Congratulations! That's an awesome. That skateboard is pretty sweet. It is in my garage. I have not ridden it, as I do not ride skateboards. I merely buy them and think about what if, what if. Um. Anyway, just some notes, you know, this sounds like it's something that they use in in some of their pitch decks or some of the other details they have to use when kind of convincing brands that video games matter, right? So it's just three bullet points here that I thought were interesting um, that uh, that were sent my way. So here they are. The Game Awards are watched by more folks than the Oscars, including the latter's worldwide numbers. Turns out the only people who watch the Oscars are Americans. Most of the rest of the world doesn't give a shit. Yeah, sure. I'd totally buy that. Um... Yeah, we talked about the Oscars thing yesterday, but I think we we didn't, you know, we were thinking like, oh, are those just U.S. numbers or, or whatever the ratings were? But um, I would buy that. Yes, that the the Game Awards have more worldwide appeal than the Oscars. Sure. I'm in America and I didn't watch the Oscars. Uh, we've spent and will continue to spend a lot of time convincing folks that games are big. A lot of execs at consumer brands are old dudes who think only sports and movies are worth doing partnerships and promotions with that's I've yes. In a previous life, I ran into that thing quite a bit also when it came not directly, but more like a, I, I definitely worked up some pitches for like, Hey, here's some over the top crazy programming that we would like to do, but we cannot afford it. And so take it out and try to sell it to a sponsor. And no one ever came back and said, Hey, guess what? We sold it to a sponsor, pack your bags. You're going to Japan. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, um, but yes, that is the thing, you know, yes, that there's a lot of consumer brands that simply don't, that are run by people that don't understand games. Um, and this is something that I think, you know, I bet podcast industry runs into this a lot. 
where there's an education process that you do as part of the, as, as part of it, you know, whether you're a marketing person or a salesperson, if you're pitching to someone who doesn't understand the thing that you're selling them, you have to spend time educating them. Like, here's why podcasting is a big deal and deliver some numbers that say you're reaching this, this huge audience for this amount of money or, or, or whatever. And video games and those types of partnerships and promotions the same way you have to tell them like, Hey, here's why video games matter because you're some 70 year old dude who thought that Pac-Man was where it peaked or, or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And, and so they just don't know. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of education. Anyway, he goes on when they hear that global gaming revenue is higher than global film and TV, or that North American gaming revenue alone is higher than the global film revenue, even pre pandemic, uh, or that Hogwarts legacy brought in more revenue than all three fantastic beasts openings combined. They are shocked. We spend a lot of time educating people. Yeah, totally. It's, it's like embarrassing in a sense that like that this work still has to happen, right? That there's still all of these companies being run by people that are so super out of touch. I mean, it's like, it's like the, the TikTok thing where you got people asking about dilated eyeballs and like, is this going to steal my Wi-Fi or whatever? Um, and, and they're just like, so behind the times, like just so fucking impossibly just not up on any kind of technology, anything. It's why magazine covers mattered for as long as they did, you know, the, the readership, and this was so frustrating back when we would try to negotiate for exclusives for like, hey, we'll give you the front page of motherfucking GameSpot.com. You a million, over a million people will see this thing. This is like this is going to be a big deal. This is more than any magazine will give you in a month's worth of time. We will give you in two days. You know, it was just like huge numbers, huge numbers. Um, but you would have a lot of companies, especially then it's, it's better now, but also the homepage, you know, these homepages are probably not as big as going viral on social media, whatever it is. Um, so it's kind of changed at, at both ends, but you would have situations where like companies didn't understand, like the dude running the company, the dude running, you know, the, the division or, or whatever it was. He's like, I don't know what a million clicks on a website means. But I know what a mag, and so like if you hand him a magazine cover with his game on it, he's like, "Yeah, that I understand." And you're like, "Okay, four hundred thousand people saw that. That's a lot. That's not. That's not nothing." But like if you had done the deal over here with the website, um, you would have seen twice that, four times that, whatever it, it was, you know. Um, and so that was always frustrating. It, it led to a situation where like, um the marketing team was trying to do things where they would literally like print out the front page of the website with the game in the top slot and like the popularity rankings and see like, you really rocked it on GameSpot this month or, you know, whatever to try to like, again, educate these people that like, Hey, this is your, these are way bigger numbers here there, but they're internet numbers. And so the people didn't know what that meant. And so the idea that that was something that we dealt with in the two thousands, you know, that was something that we dealt with for, and I'm sure like they're probably still dealing with it to some degree because we have stories like this, right. Where you've just got like these brands now that are just like, I'm a mainstream brand. I sell tacos. What do I need to know about esports? Esports was the last big one of these. I remember where like, you know, you got to go, we've got to go pitch Taco Bell on this, on promoting on, on sponsoring this esports tournament. And they don't know what any of it means or why it matters. 
And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, as, as someone who has been working, you know, damn near exclusively online, uh, since 1996, since 1995, you know, um, the, that was our, you know, the video game industry had, had to go through this, like the video game press had to go through it in a slightly different way. This kind of struggle for, uh, to be perceived as legitimate, you know, this, this, this like kind of struggle for relevancy, um, and, and all of that was always so frustrating back then. And, and every time anything like it pops up, I'm always just shocked, you know, cause you just look at it and go like, man, aren't these people dead yet? Like, what are we, you know, not to be grim, but like, it's just always just, how are we still finding these idiots to run, to head up these companies that are like, it's their job to get these brands out there and they don't know anything about what the landscape looks like now. And it's just flabbergasting sometimes. And it's, it's disheartening. It, you know, like I, I've, I've felt a lot of different emotions about that specific thing over the years. Right. Um, and the idea that it is still something that has, that people have to be educated on, like, no, by the way, video games are a big deal. It just, it's a bummer. It should be obvious by now that video games are a big deal and that there's interest around those video games and, you know, that brands should want to be around these popular iconic brands the same way they wanted to be around movies in the nineties and two, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and, and so it's just this thing of just like, man, there's a lot of people that just like, don't, they don't keep current. They don't stay good at their jobs and, and no one can. Right. I mean, sure. There's plenty of this, you know, there's plenty of shit. I don't know. I'm not sitting here going like I'm up on everything, you know, whatever. I don't know what fucking movies are coming out. I don't give a shit. Are movies a big deal? Sure. I'm sure some of them still are, but I, God damn, I don't care. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so it's impossible to stay up on everything, but at the same time, the idea that it's a shocking concept, like what video games, you're kidding me. Like that sucks, man. Like the people making these decisions should be, I, I'm not going to say should they be younger? Cause like, you know, like people can stay up on things no matter, you know, when it's their job, uh, you'd think that they would be better at it, but but here you go. Uh, and there's one more here uh, from, from Jorge here. It says, as we share in meetings, 92%, and, and uh, these generational breakdowns really, anyway, as we share in meetings, 92% of millennials play games, 98% of Gen Z plays games, and 99% of Gen Alpha plays games. It's entire generations. It's everyone. Boomers and Gen X executives sometimes struggle with these numbers and these realizations. Yeah. That sucks, man. Um, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it sucks that like they struggle with, with those sorts of things. Right. I mean, it's obvious. Like I, I look at it as, as like, well, I don't know, you know, like, I guess I'm, I am technically Gen X. There was a while there where they were breaking out some kind of sub generation, that was between Gen X and millennials. And I was technically a part of whatever that bridge generation was where I'm like a little too young to very cleanly, clearly be generation X, but I'm a little too old to be considered a millennial. 
I forget what they called it. There was some kind of half step. Yes. Gen X pro. Yeah. Uh, some sort of half step generation that, that lives in the middle there that there's a bunch of different names for, but, um, it's not gen Y cause gen Y were, were millennials. They stopped calling it gen Y at some point for, for some reason. Uh, it's, it's very, it's very weird, but gen Y was always people that were very clearly younger than, than we were when, when the term gen Y first started coming around. Um, but now no one even uses it anymore. Uh, yeah. Exennials. That was a, the, the real bad one. That was the real bad one, but there was a few others that were less gross anyway. Um, I don't know. I can, I would consider like, you know, cause like, generation X covers a wide swath of, of people and a wide swath of ages. And that has been another thing. Some of my time on TikTok has shown me is you have people that are like, well, I'm firmly gen X. And then they just had, they spew uh, like the most, the dumbest, most backwards sounding shit. I'm like, Oh no, I thought that my generation and the generation that I grew up around with, I thought we were the smart ones that were, still equipped to understand modern society, but holy shit, this guy's fucking sucks. Um, and I, you know, I don't know. You're never too old or too young to fucking absolutely suck, I guess is the, the takeaway there. Um, but I don't know. I always thought about it as like, I grew up and then the internet happened at the exact right time for me in my teens. And, uh, I was able to get into a lot of weird shit. Um, and you know that that I was I I remember I remember a time when not everyone had cable TV, but I also remember getting my first cable modem and moving from dial-up to broadband and being fucking blown away. And I remember you know like all of, all of the technological advancements and 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 whatever else. And I feel like largely equipped to handle a lot of it. I guess. Nothing online has come my way that is like totally um, felt completely foreign to me, I guess is what I mean to say. There are parts of it that I look at and go like, it's a shame things went this way or, or gosh, these people are fucking idiots or, you know, whatever it is. But like generally when things happen, I can kind of go like, oh yeah, I guess, you know, if this happened then and this happened, you know, like people that grew up, you know, I can, I can still, I still feel like I can kind of put it together if that makes any sense um and so to see yeah people that are my age or a generation older um being so completely out of touch with something like video games that like I, but i guess like you know i don't know when i think about when i was a kid um for as much as we talk about video games being a fad in the 80s and how they were super popular and how they were everywhere like th that didn't mean that a lot of people embraced it as a lifestyle, if that makes any sense. Like that's maybe not the right way to put it, but like to me, video games were everything from a very young age. And, um, and that remained true until I got married probably. So, so, you know, that was, that was, uh, that was my thing. That was my, my main thing, you know, and, and West coast hip hop, that's it video games, West coast hip hop. Um, but like there were plenty of people that were my age at that time when Pac-Man got big that didn't give a shit about video games. Cause they were just like, I like football. I like the 49ers or whatever else, you know? And, 
And so it wasn't this universal thing even then. And so I guess I see it, it'd be very easy for people to be my age or even slightly younger and grow up like acknowledging that video games exist, but never really interacting with them in a meaningful way, I guess. I guess that's, you know, that that's probably how that has to go, right? So it would make sense that you would have people that were um, my age or older, people in their, like, I don't know, 50s or 60s or whatever that are, you know, making decisions at these companies that just maybe never got back in touch with video games. They were just like, oh, I don't know. They were big when I was a kid. Pac-Man. And then the PlayStation, I don't know, was Lara Croft? Oh, yeah. Like what are the what are the big touchstones for people that are out of touch with video games? I would love to know because it's got to be like Pac Man, Lara Croft, Fortnite, and Minecraft. Maybe you lump those two together because they're pretty similar. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's uh. It's interesting and and tragic, you know. Again, it's it's something that is so ingrained into the culture of so many people. The very idea of video games, you know, just the or you know, there's the the discussion, you know, the, the same way that like um, the same way that a lot of like football lingo or or like sports concepts are like oh we really you know we worked on this project and we really knocked it out of the park you know it's, it's like a base it's a very direct baseball reference people use it that don't know baseball but it's a baseball reference and so i think you know video games have had that as well i'm trying to think of like good examples of that though we leveled up when someone say like, oh, you know, yeah, you know, we were a pretty small company. And then, uh, and it's, is it weird that it's always like in my mind, it's always like business douchebags that are always like, yeah, man, we're a pretty small company. We signed this deal and then we leveled up, bro. And, uh, yeah. So maybe that's, a uh, maybe that's one. Do people actually say that? Yeah. Yes. I don't, I'm not saying that it is a common phrase or, or whatever, but like, but yeah, I've I've seen people talk about like I leveled up my career. I, I went out and got another job to really level up my career and move forward. You know, like like those those sorts of that sort of lingo, I guess. Yeah, what are today's video game? What's today's video game lingo that is going to that is going to catch on? It has to be like generic enough that it's not like attached to a specific game. Yeah, Victory Royale. Yeah, I don't know. Level Up is widely used in the UK. The Queen said it. Says Jean-Paul Blart. Well, if the Queen said it, then you know it's legit. Um, <laughs> let's maybe see if we can get through a couple more questions here. Uh... Taylor writes in and says, do you think Rockstar can ever go back to the way they were? Well, okay. The, the, the headline, sorry. Sometimes people reference the subject line of their email without reiterating. Anyway, do you think Rockstar will ever be silly again? Uh, do you think Rockstar can ever go back to the way they were to an extent, specifically with GTA games? I know Rockstar has taken quite a few beats from movies and such in their games, whether it be Scarface, Miami Vice, Boys in the Hood, Heat, etc., but managed to shoehorn in some ridiculousness along the way. 
dropping porn flyers from a plane, selling blow from an ice cream truck with whipped cream tits on it to name a couple. Do you think they'll ever go back to that style or just sprinkle it in from time to time? A standout is from GTA 2. You were tasked with rounding up a bunch of people on a bus and then delivering them to a hot dog factory so that they may be turned into delicious street meat. It was so stupid. I loved it. Um, I think the GTA games are still inherently silly. I think that a lot of it is more emergent than it is directly um, written into the scripts. But yeah, I mean, from way back, uh, well, from I guess from GTA 3, really, but even when, you know, I remember talking to them when like GTA London, when the, the London DLC was coming out for the expansion pack was coming out for um, GTA 1. And they always took that thing very seriously. And I think, you know, in order for it to be funny, in order for it to be ridiculous, you have to take everything super seriously. I think they have to have that approach of just like, okay, you know, to, to work in the, the humor around the edges. But I think, you know, there's the idea of like, Hey, they're going to write their main storyline and there might not be as much goofy shit in that, but there's always some side character. You know, was GTA five had like all the drug trips and, and weird side missions and, and silly characters along the way as well. I, I think that, I think that game got very, very ridiculous. Like some of the situations you found yourself in were absolutely fucking bananas. You know, they're like having you, yeah, like alien stuff, like just weird things are in those games and they always have been. So I think they've maybe taken some of that stuff out of the main plot lines, right? Because they, as they've tried to chase the movie thing more and more, which it feels like they're kind of getting away from, but we'll see when the next one comes out. But like, remember, remember through the GTA three trilogy, if you will, Vice City, San Andreas, GTA three. Um, when you know the first time I saw San Andreas, I didn't even see. I don't even know that I even saw San Andreas. I went there and sat in there. I, I think it was their San Francisco office because they had a, like a, a couple of, of PR people that just hung out in San Francisco, hung out as if they weren't working. But you know they, they were stationed there, um, and going over there and, and saying like, "Hey, we're going to show you. Yeah, we're, we want to talk to you about the new game." And we want to talk to you. And it was San Andreas. And they're like, okay, check this out. And they literally, and I've, I've said this before, but they literally put on a videotape or I don't know, maybe it was a file at that point. It was a, it was a long time ago. Um, of a bunch of movies cut together. Boys in the Hood, Menace to Society. Like, like those types of movies all kind of like spliced together. To kind of say, like, here's kind of the vibe we're going for. You know, here's some West Coast hip hop. Here's some, you know, news clips about gang stuff. Or, you know, like, a, yes, a sizzle reel that didn't conclude any footage of the game in it. It was never something they were like, here, go put this on the website. You know, it was not something they put out as an asset. It was just like, here's here's a tone thing that we made for here's here's what we're chasing after. And so they've always kind of they always sort of had that approach. Yes. A, a, a mood board, if you will. Um, and, and that was their approach for those games. And I think over time, I think they got that out of their system in a direct way. And now it's a lot more indirect. Like there's certainly stuff in GTA four and five that you go like, well, clearly this is stuff that is inspired by 
the world of film or, or whatever else. Right. Um, but, um, I don't know that it's something that they necessarily, I, I, I doubt, I wonder if they still create something like that. When GTA one came out, they actually made a short film and put it out. And I want to say that's where the name Claude came from is that like, they said the name Claude in that movie, but it was never in, was that when GTA three came? I'm trying to remember, but they produced a short film or they put out a, yeah, they, they put out a film. It was a GTA two. Yeah. You're probably right. But it was that early era, so yeah, um, where they produced this thing and and did put that out, and um, and so they were always, I think, even when they didn't necessarily directly have like, here's the inspiration we're going for. I think they were always thinking about their games that way, you know, and like, hey, here's a film that's inspired by, you know, some of the the here's what when we when we see GTA one and two in our head here's what we see um and it's just this you know stylized music video like kind of cut together crime thing driving fast doing stuff you know like it, it's it's it is what it is you know it's not like the i, I you wouldn't look at it and go, like this is amazing you know but you look at it and go like okay yeah no i i get what you i get why you do that i get why you when you think about your games you're thinking about them in this in this lens especially pre GTA three, when the games couldn't look as good as they went on to look right. Um, you know, when you've got a top down game, when you've got, you know, everything in those first two GTA games, you know, you kind of have to imagine it is being this larger thing, uh, than it, than it really is. Um, but as I guess, as the games kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, they don't have to do as much of that because the game just represents what they want to, you know, like you, you see it in the game, they put it on the screen for you. Uh, and, and I think they're just like better at doing that and better at, at, you know, making that a reality. Yeah. So like, yes, GTA five. Yes. It's heat is definitely like, you know, cause it's heists, right. Especially when they got it more heists into the online stuff, but like, uh, yeah, definitely. I'm sure it was a touchstone for them when you look at like, oh, we want to play as these three characters, like we're, we're kind of building a crew and they're different guys. You know, Neil McCauley and Wayne Grow are two pretty different motherfuckers and so are Trevor and fucking the main fucking guy from GTA 5. Not Franklin, not Trevor, the other one. I totally can't remember his name. Anyway, that Michael. Sure, Michael. All right. Um. Yeah. Totally. Um, but you see that in it, you know, and I, you, I, I don't know that they necessarily had to go and cut together a bunch of video of heat to help people understand the game that they were making, you know, but I, I don't know. It's, I, I think those games are ridiculous. And I think that, you know, they, they are the, the satire that they have incorporated into those games, whether it's, you know, on the radio or off the radio or whatever, like there are, there've always been ridiculous things in those games. I think even red dead is, is very silly. But again, a lot of that is very far out of the way. If it, if it's something that it's going to be dialogue and it's written into the game or, you know, it's going to be some weird reaction. You did a weird thing and they react to it. Like the, what is it? Like running and jumping off the fucking cliff with the cult or what, or whatever, you know, there there's, or, or just the simple pleasure of amazing video game physics and dragging a guy behind a horse or a train or something, you know, like the, there's plenty of, silly things in rockstar's games 
And I think they've still had that style. I think some of it, some of it they need to grow out of because I think some of it is dumb. You know, it's, it's the same way that, um, you know, Saints Row had their fake Wendy's chain and they called it Freckle Bitches. And, uh, you know, it's, it's on the nose. It's very coarse. It's like funny in a shocking way. And you, but at some point you're like, okay, we can do better. And I think in the last game, one of the things I actually appreciated is they kind of, they, like, if you go find those restaurants, they're just called FBs now. And you go like, you know, I think some people were like, I can't believe they censored freckle bitches. You're like, no, in the corporate hellscape in which we now live, perceived through the lens of Saints Row, of course, in a world where Kentucky Fried Chicken decided that they needed to rebrand as KFC because people didn't like the word fried, the very idea of changing the name of it to FBs is a way funnier joke. It's a way better and a way more modern joke than the original fun. I can just like, I don't know, throw in a curse word. That's how crazy our world is, is that the burger joint's called freckle bitches. And you're like, all right, man, it's way funnier and way more now to think about the fucking capitalist corporate fucking hellscape and how that would, how that would years later look at something like a freckle bitches go, Hmm. FBs now. I think that's a that's a, a, that is maybe the best bit of comedy in that last Saints Row game. <laughs> it's such a it's a pretty subtle thing. Um and I thought that was really funny. But again, in the world in which we live, it's perfect. And so it's it becomes actual satire instead of just like yeah, I don't know, we uh we put a curse in it and there you go. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I think I, I, I'm curious to see what rockstar ends up doing because yeah, I, I think the core narrative, like when we got to GTA four, really, uh, if you play that game straight, it's a very different game than if you're just like, well, I don't know, let's enter cheat codes and spawn tanks and kill everybody and shoot all these cops. And you know, I got when, the first time I played through GTA four, I didn't do a lot of wild stuff because San Andreas had so much wild stuff in it that I didn't feel the need to do it. And the world and the character and everything else seemed like, Oh, I don't just don't think I, I just don't think this guy would do that. Um, but there's plenty of opportunity to have a bunch of weird shit happen in that game. Plenty of silly stuff in GTA four. A lot of silly stuff in GTA Five, and I, I haven't even, I'm only talking about the campaign because I, I never really kept up with online. Um, but I think they've just adjusted it in a way that it, it kind of just fits together better than it ever did. It's a little, maybe a little less in your face. Um, but I think that works out better because you feel like you're uncovering this ridiculous moment, and uh, yeah, I don't know, I, I, I like that about the way they've the direction they've taken those those games in um yeah so i i don't know i guess i just i disagree with the with the premise that those games are not silly i think they are incredibly silly games uh, they're they're ridiculous like the the even playing them straight these situations 
that those characters get put into is nonsense. Um, let's see. Maybe we'll take one more before we go. Um, this one we took. Uh, we took that one last week. Oh man, I I hate it when I'm when I forget to unstar the emails. I don't know that if I've managed to fuck up and read the same email twice in a row, but I would not be shocked. Um, let's see. Uh, last one here from uh, Eric in Des Moines. The past few days have been really interesting for the Activision Microsoft acquisition here. Uh, I'm sure you'll probably touch on this in the news section, but I find it fascinating that after all this time, Congress is asking if it's anti-competitive to pay third parties to specifically keep certain content off of competitors' hardware. It's still crazy to me that the Final Fantasy VII Remake has yet to see a wider release with the rumors surrounding timed exclusivity deals being extended and re-upped. It's not like Square can't afford to port it. What would happen if it became illegal to pay to keep content off of rivals' hardware with exclusivity clauses? I believe it would force those console manufacturers to compete in more interesting ways than just paying to keep content off of platforms. I know this would get messy with smaller devs signing deals to get funding to come to platforms outside of PC, but I think a change like this wouldn't keep those smaller titles on a single platform for long, and it would be a good overall change to the business of video games as a whole. What do you think about this? I don't... um Well, there's a lot in there, uh, Eric, but I, I think there are still situations where, and Square has been a part of this, I think, in, in multiple cases, but I, I don't know specifically around the Final Fantasy VII remake, yes or no, but it is not unheard of for Japanese developers to say, we're going to put our games out on uh, PlayStation and Switch now it's you know pc gets included which makes it even weirder but like it is not unheard of for them to just go like yeah we're just putting it out on playstation because that's the platform that matters where they live and switch also obviously and it's not necessarily about like oh um you know we're we're signing a deal to keep it off xbox it's like we're only going to put this out on one or two platforms because that's you know just all we have the bandwidth to do right now and and um we're focusing on this Will we put it out on Xbox later? Maybe. I don't know if we, you know, and in Square's case, it's almost like, well, if we wait long enough, Microsoft will show up and pay us to do the work. So, or they'll do the work for us and market it for us. And, you know, so maybe we'll just wait for them to come calling. Uh, and then, and then Persona can be on Xbox and then can, you know, it's not like there was some exclusive deal keeping Persona 4 off of Xbox platforms for years and years and years, you know? There are just situations where developers just don't do it or publishers decide it's not worth it from us from a, you know, we're not going to make our money back doing that. We, you know, our audience for this type of game generally understands that they need to buy a PlayStation to get access to. I, I think that's still the case. Like it's, it's better, but I think it is still the case that if you are someone who is primarily interested in playing Japanese made games on a console, odds are you're going to be better off with a PlayStation. And I think if you if you look at the games and how they get ported, whether it's an exclusive deal or not, some of that stuff just happens naturally. And um and it isn't always about an exclusive deal or or whatever else, right? Increasingly, you know, it is. There are deals out there being made, but uh 
you know, I think Microsoft still has work to do in that in that arena, but also I, I don't know what they could what more they you know, because they're <laughs> they've shown they're willing to pay to get some of those games over there. And I maybe that's a problem of their own creation. Maybe if you've got developers or publishers that are just like, eh, you know, the the money we would get selling it on Xbox, it's not we can it's not something we ne- desperately have to have. The the catch in all this, I guess, the the part where I think some of it breaks down is that a lot of these games get ported to PC still. And so you have situations where games come out and they're like, we're on PlayStation and PC. You're like, all right, that seems like it would be an environment where you could put it out on Xbox without, you know, not to say it's zero work, but seems like something you could do, uh, but they don't. But I guess it, it's, it's not always an ex- exclusivity arrangement that keeps that from happening. And so in a world where those types of arrangements became illegal or anti-competitive or, or, or whatever, uh, frowned upon by the government or, or, or whatever it is, I think you would still have situations where publishers like Square would just be like, yeah, it's coming out on PlayStation and PC because that's where we see the bulk of our sales. We haven't really seen, you know, you could argue it's a chicken and egg thing that because they don't support the Xbox uh, as directly as they could, that maybe that's led to a situation where, oh, the, the customer base knows that they should have bought a PlayStation if they wanted to play a Persona game. You know what I mean? So you end up kind of self-selecting those consumers anyway, and you just kind of further exacerbate the way of things in a way that you're like, oh, well, now even more of our consumers that buy our types of games are doing it on a PlayStation. So all right, now we have even less of a reason to put stuff out on Xbox or or whatever. And so I'd be curious to see like, you know, how much those deals were for when it came time to like, okay, let's, you know, um, like how much are they selling that stuff for? It's on, did it just come into Game Pass? But like, it's 20 bucks right now. But like when Persona 4 Golden came to Xbox and it it is on Game Pass, do you think that's a big deal or is that like a little one? You know, is it, is it, Hey, Microsoft's going to pay enough money that covers the cost of doing this. And so it's literally all profit for us. So we might as well, you know, maybe I don't know. There's a lot of ins and outs of that, that, uh, but, but I guess there's a lot of ins and outs on that that don't necessarily, um, require there to be an exclusivity agreement in place at the outset because there are just still plenty of situations where a publisher or developer, whatever the de- decision maker decides they want to target PlayStation with their game. And um, that's been the case since the Xbox was invented. Xbox has always been in a situation where they got their Japanese games through deals, through marketing deals, through you know, going to Sega and doing a widespread thing, you know, like, okay, put gun, you know, put jet set radio, put, you know, put all this stuff on Xbox. Um, Dead or Alive 3. You know, Microsoft paid to get Dead or Alive 3 exclusively on the original Xbox. And, um, and that's been the story with them with Japanese developers. It's, it's better now, but it, but that's, that has still been part of the overall story of the Xbox and Japanese publishers 
because it's been like, well, Capcom was on board and, you know, like some studios were like, no, of course we're going to make games for every platform. Why wouldn't we? Um, but I think you have some situations where they're like, no, we're like, we're, we're not going to do that. And I wonder, I wonder, man, I, I had never thought of that before, but I wonder if there's ever been a case where a publisher said, we're just not going to put it on Xbox because we know if we just wait long enough, they'll show up with a check and pay us to put it on game pass or, or they'll, they'll pay us to they'll, they'll cover the entire cost of the port if we wait long enough because they can't afford that level of disparity in the marketplace. Um, I wonder, huh? That's a fun conspiracy to think about. Um, anyway, that's going to do it for us here. Thanks everybody for, for watching and hanging out. Thanks to, to my guest one, David Lang for coming through and, uh, spending a couple hours with us, of course. Um, let's see what's going on. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Normally I stream on Wednesdays. We've got some doctor appointment stuff happening in that window. So I, I'm going to either stream early or late, or I might not be able to get it all. It'll depend on how long some of that stuff goes. And so I may be with you just on Friday this week because I am, uh, I am out on Thursday to look at some stuff. So, um, so yeah, Wednesday's up in the air. Friday should be here to hang out and we'll, we'll talk about whatever the heck's going on. I don't know. I don't know what, uh, what came out. Um, there was something I was like, oh, hell yeah, this is coming out today. I gotta, I gotta check this out. But, uh, anyway, yeah, stuff going on this week, kind of crazy week. So, uh, I will be handling that. And hopefully this roof is getting getting fixed up here. Any WrestleMania predictions? I predict I will be there both days. Wow. That's going to be exciting. Again, if only from a I haven't left the house in a long time uh, sort of way. So, um, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I think the... I think Cody's winning. I, I I I still think that this is the... This is where you see something resembling an implosion of the bloodline. And this is where you see... The Usos lose the tag belts. This is where you see Roman Reigns lose. And then they start telling the story of, um, you know, everything blowing up and everything going bad and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I would have thought that they got there a different way than they did. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, I think my, my big main, yes, that was it. Crime boss rock. Hey city is out. I think today, um, that I don't even know what the fuck that game is. It's, it's yeah, I it's I am very interested to uh, see that thing because um, it's just such a bizarre. Everything about that game looked bizarre from when they announced it, and it kind of has like payday vibes from the trailers and stuff. But I don't know. I don't think it's a multiplayer. Anyway, whatever. I want to see what that thing is. So we'll yeah we'll, we'll take a look at that at some point for sure. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think what, what else is even happening at WrestleMania? I don't even know. Uh, those are the big ones. That's why I'm going. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, that this is where they, yeah, John Cena and Austin theory. I what? okay, sure. I think the, the, I, hmm, I think that it would be interesting to have John Cena win because I think that would be an interesting character building moment for Austin theory 
because I don't think that Austin Theory winning, I don't think that does much for his character. You know, the idea of like, he beat John Cena. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, of course he did. John Cena's the old guy coming back, and that's what old guys coming back should do from a conventional wisdom perspective. So, so it's almost more interesting to have John Cena beat him bad and then have that be part of his kind of ongoing story of, you know, rebuilding his character in the post Vince era, because obviously the, the old Austin theory persona was fucking terrible and he's doing a lot better now, but maybe you have to, maybe you, maybe you have him lose here just to kind of further that story. Yeah. What will happen to the egg? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, yeah. Will Dominic beat Rey Mysterio. I think having Rey Mysterio lose on a week that he's going into the hall of fame is really weird I, I think that this is dominic getting the shit beat out of him and and but that story you know that just ends that story i think dominic it's not i don't think there's some big reconciliation there i think dominic is too weirdly over as a heel it's a weird thing to say but here we are um for for that to make a ton of sense but i don't know does ray mysterio retire it doesn't sound like he's going to it sounded like that was maybe on the table at a point but I, I think the thing with that that I'm most like ugh about is I don't necessarily want to see them run angles at the Hall of Fame. You know, um, I think that's weird. I think that's that's a little too carny for me. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I, with that, I guess, cause I, you know, I, I would like to see, um, I'd like to see Oscar win. That's always, that is always my, that is my, all, that is my forever stance. I would like to see Oscar win. I would like to, I would like Oscar to have nice things. Um, you know, um, Charlotte Flair should probably lose. Uh, Anyway, I yeah, uh, that that's I don't know. I not to uh, yeah, that that is that is kind of <laughs> my quick takes on some of the storylines. Is is it, it it's probably kind of telling that I'm like, "Oh yeah, what other matches are happening other than the bloodline related stuff?" Cuz I feel like they have not done an amazing job of building up anything else for the show. I'm like I'm excited to see it all. But at the same time, on paper I'm just like, "Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, Edge is going to fight Finn Balor, will Finn Balor be the demon or, you know, is Gangrel going to be there? And you're like, ah, okay. Sure. I get yeah. Omos versus Lesnar. I, I don't, I, that, that's, I'm, I'm not invested in that match at all. I will happily watch it. Um, but I don't, uh, yeah, like you probably have Lesnar lose, right? Because the other guy's just there more often and probably needs the win to help establish him as a monster. I anyway, whatever. I'm not going to sit here and talk about kooky wrestling theories for another hour, but, um, but yes, I'm excited to go and see the show and, uh, and go and see some friends that I just haven't seen in a, in a very long time. So that'll be cool too. Uh, anyway, thanks everybody for hanging out. This is the end of the show. I'm going to push this button and it's all going to go away. I don't know what happens here because again, I've, I have not used this tool for live streaming before, but, um, but yeah, I will, uh, I will see you soon. I'll probably see you on Friday. If I had to guess, I would say Wednesday probably ends up not happening at all just from a timing perspective, but 
Uh, maybe you'll see me sooner, maybe not, but uh, yeah, I will try to keep you posted as much as I can. Head over to patreon.com slash Jeff Gerstman. Again, annual member. Uh, uh, talk good. Talk more gooder. Annual memberships are now available. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. But don't stay tuned. We're, I'm going away. Hey, I'll see you in a couple days. Have a good one. I'll see you.